Okay, welcome back. Unclicked. We're here with Demarcus Paul, Steve Crandall. Thank and, you. And we are in uh, a new space. It was a little, a little. Uh, made a made a move. So lighting, you know, all those things are going to be a little bit different. Could have a, you know, honestly, uh, some sort of photo could fall on you at any moment because I just kind of taped them up last night. I would expect no less. <laughs> no, mecha- no mechanical <laughs> mounting whatsoever. We literally, are, we are here to party, and anything goes. Anything Boom. goes. So Crandall. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege and an honor to be here to oh. talk with both of you. And uh, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm excited. Let's get into it. First off, thank you for this. Cool. My I, contribution I, to the unclicked headquarters. I appreciate <laughs> that. We're, we're going to get that up like right here. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I felt good. Like I've been, I'll, I'll post a photo of the entire room, but I felt good like that we could kind of add to it and go lower and yeah, lower. Yeah. Now, you know, because the old stuff is like... Now it's up there. That's For context, I painted that in the back of the van last night while I was uh, camped out at the Fast and Loose house. Nice. Uh, Road trip art. A, Hon- a Honda Odyssey. A Honda Odyssey. It's you got that in there? Yep. And a couple bicycles and a cooler and some dirty laundry. Nice. nice. And uh, you know, all the essentials for travel. And uh, we also have drop-in coffee, yep. which we will talk about more, of course. Cool. Hopefully. But, whoa. <laughs> Graceful. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> T-Rex. Um, what, so we almost did this like five months ago or something. Time goes fast. So last winter I had planned to come out here and then I had just, I just ended up stuck on the East Coast. And then... Uh, Wasn't there like some crazy storm or something? Last winter... That was last... That was a that, year that ago? That was February. Jeez. We got like a crazy ice storm and like the whole East Coast was shut down. And then I was like, oh, in the springtime, I'll just fly out and hang out. And then I was like, I don't want to fly anywhere. Yeah. Like missed connections. Like it just looked like a, a hassle and I was yeah. like, I don't want to stress it. And then the weather got nice. I was like, well, I'll just stay home. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, really and then uh, a year later, you're here. You decided to now drive out. And uh, what's your path been here? Uh, so January 1st, I woke up without a plan, and it was raining. I had ridden New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. My plan was to try to ride on New Year's Day. It's like like these little rituals as, as an aging BMXer. Pop. And uh, got in the van, drove to Tennessee, hung out, went to Austin for a couple days, um, drove across the vast expanse of Texas. Yes. So I got to uh, Silver City, New Mexico, rode a skate park that was by myself in like 30 degree weather. It was like 6,000 feet altitude. <laughs> was the park good? Yeah, it was awesome. It was above my pay grade, but it was rad. <laughs> but um, cruised over to Tucson, slept in the van, and then came over to San Diego. And I've been just loitering in Ocean Beach for a couple days. And uh, went up to L.A. yesterday in Encinitas and hung out with some old friends. Uh, my homie Gilly and Crazy Joe, we rode bikes. It was like. A flashback to the early 90s. It was badass. Is that nice. his bowl? I saw that photo. Yeah. So he was, his neighbors had a house with a bowl, and then there were, his kids were friends with their kids, and they were moving, and he was like, and they bought the house, and it's got this really cool bowl in what? the backyard. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then, like, like I did a little, like, like snooping around, and there's, oh, there's people that I know, like, have pictures on their Instagram riding there. And it's like, whoa. Oh, that's cool. Pretty yeah. sick. Yeah, right. I think Trey Trey wrote it recently too, right? It's possible. I'm not sure. So is he a skater or a BMXer? 
He used to live at the Fat House oh, with okay. me and Tag and Gilly. Right. But he skates, surfs, BMXs. A little bit of everything. Yeah. One He's a those. California guy now. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, how did... Um, so, um, we're getting to it, but how is Gilly in L.A.? How did, that seems like a very... And, and I know he made the move a long time ago. Gilly's wife is a high-end fashion designer. Oh, wow. And they ended up out here with that. And then he started doing a lot of woodworking and uh-huh. got out of the jump building business. So, he does, like, high-end furniture making, and she's a... Freelance uh, fashion designer, just super LA. Yeah, that's what you see. <laughs> that's um, cool. Yeah, it's, from 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 uh, designing lips and landings to and like he was furniture. showing me some of the furniture that he makes, and it was like very high dollar. He's like, "Don't look at the price tag." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he, "You could tell he's like almost embarrassed, but it's like it's like, dude, it's amazing work. You yeah, be proud of cool. that. That's it's cool. Pretty awesome. That's it's pretty like I get such a kick out of seeing BMXers like take what they've learned and like." I feel like BMXers like specialize in like improvising and like using their resources to the best they can, and then they transfer into something beyond BMX, and then like just see that evolution. It gets me real hyped. Whether it's like photographers, filmers, artists, furniture makers, like they, you guys grew up together, right? Yeah, I met him and Mike Tag when I was twelve years old in like seventh grade. How is it? It's got to be pretty interesting too, like um, growing up with somebody and being around like every day to like um, seeing where they are today. Yeah, like, it's it's bizarre because it's like he's got a child now, you know, and it's like I been living in a school bus for like the last several years and it's like it's like uh <laughs> but it's like it's weird because like the world's changed so much you know even just the last like several years but it's like we spent all our lives you know up to a certain point like every day just being kids yeah and then we started growing up and then we live in different areas but our phones keep everybody so connected that it's kind of like a weird like it's like, oh, dude, I haven't seen you in two years. But it's like you don't realize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, you're seeing everybody online. And then you're like, you know, with the pandemic, it's like part of the, this trip was I just needed to see my, my friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I always use that to like recharge my batteries. And it was like, and so, so yeah, like. That's pretty sick. But yeah, to, to know somebody since like, we're like, you know, just doing whatever we can to travel and ride bikes and just ride all day, every day to like damn dude you live in like this nice house in in la and you've got like a you know a happy healthy family and like this is rad yeah that's cool that it's, it's really so cool. cool it's like nothing like there's nothing quite like seeing like your people just do good you mm-hmm. know it's like some people get like jealous or some people feel like oh you know like they got left behind or but like for me like more so lately it's just like damn dude like I've got some cool ass friends. Yeah, you know, they're doing cool shit. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see your friends do well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's inspiring, yeah. and it's like, damn, like you know, it's like, and then like looking back, it's like we did all this really great stuff with like you know our time in, you know, the core of BMX. It's like no wonder we got so much cool stuff done. It's like, yeah, I was around such a great community of people. So, I, I always find it interesting when it's like, you know, you met you met Tag and Gilly in high school, and Tag became an amazing amazing rider. Yeah. And and Gilly was also an amazing amazing trail rider, and then almost like a pillar in the trail community. And then he's and then he's onto this. And you've had such an impactful role in BMX as well. And it's like when you have those like, you know, could have one of you existed without the other two? You know, yeah, like you yeah. ask that question. You know, like the I, I, the molecules I, I think coming that together. The energy and the community that we we created, mm-hmm. and like the friends, like all that energy. It's like, like the. It was just, it created, it, it made us all better. Like, we, you know, it's like when you're on the deck of, you know, at the skate park and you're riding with somebody that's like, you know, it's like a little step above whatever. You're like, damn, I'm going to like juice it a little bit more yeah. this time. Like, yeah. like if you're riding with people that are like at a high level, it's going to push you to ride at a higher level. Like, mm-hmm. And 
I'm lucky enough that I've always had a, you know, been able to surround myself with people that have like pushed me to do better and like realize my shortcomings and my faults and like, you know, it's real easy to just kind of like sit there and be like, ah, blah, 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 blah. But it's like if you have good people around you, they're like, hey, dude, like that tabletop was cool, but you could drop the shoulder a little mm-hmm. bit, clean yeah. it up, and you'd be mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. And I use like those things as like an analogy for life. You know, it's like wow. you can always do better. And if you have the right people around that are like, you know, I've been in different stages of my life where there's like, you know, I'm scared to jump this set of doubles and you got a couple dudes that are like, oh, yeah, you got it. Oh, he's going to eat shit. And then you got your, your, your homies and they're like, you got it, dude. And I'm like however you choose to like interact with those situations. Like some people always want to see you come up short because it's like, they either just think it's funny or they can just feel better about themselves. Yeah. And some people are like, they believe in you and that creates infinite potential. Like, yeah. and if, and it like it echoes, you know, within your group, you know, it's like, if my friends believe in me or if my friends get me stoked, then I'm going to do the same for them. And like, and it's not like intentional. It's just like, if you're around good people, you're going to do good stuff. Yeah. And like, right. if you, that's so, that's that's a life lesson as well, you know, not necessarily like, just even with just jumping a set of doubles. But yeah, that's... and like I said, like I've I've been around BMX so long, and I've you know I've lasted to this point so far. It's like I've been I've been lucky enough to take some of these like things I've learned as a BMXer and apply them to the rest of my life moving forward. But I'm also lucky enough to still be BMXing, so that's yeah. to me that's cool. Like that's like the trophy. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm a thousand years old, and I'm still like. Still a grom at the park. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was about to ask how old you are, and you said a thousand. So I'm that's 27. Good, so. 27. Uh, yeah, wow. I've turned so 27 did, 20 man. times so far. Oh, great. <laughs> so you've been riding 43 years. I started riding in 1986. Yeah. Was it racing? What did you get into? Um, well, when I was real young, I just had a bike, and I would like trade baseball cards and like mow lawns and deliver papers to like get bike parts. Well, you say 86, but I, I'm, I just listened to a podcast. You said you were kind of ripping around at like four and stuff you well, didn't know what bmx i didn't was. know what bmx was so i started racing in 86 okay but i had been getting into bmx before that but i didn't have any other friends at bmx and i didn't really know like like i i just just this yeah it yeah. was just like i was yeah. just but it was yeah. bmx but i didn't know that it was bmx yeah. but like i officially started like getting into like racing and stuff in 86 okay and then since then i've been i guess a bmxer okay nice and uh I guess it was about 87, 88 was when I met Tag and Gilly. Okay. And that was seventh grade, I think. And there was four of us that BMX in our hometown in Ithaca, New York. And then there was a few older dudes, this dude, Mark Toast Johnson, mm-hmm. and then Kim and Kelly Baker. They were like these like iconic, wild maniacs. Still. Still wild. Yeah. And, uh, Still iconic, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> so... So I was lucky to like, you know, in a small town, but like how do we had a small, you know, still to this day, like friends with everybody. And like, you know, we were, we lucked out, you know, it's like back then, you know, you found something and you just, you know, it's like, we were lucky. We found like, you know, punk rock music, like you know, the arts, you know, BMX, skateboarding, everything. It was like all these like subcultures were mm-hmm. like, like sacred little, like Whatever. I don't even know what you'd call Excess it. Cesspools of creativity. Yeah, it wasn't that shitty. But, <laughs> but it was like, yeah, we, we all met at a pretty young age in a small town. And it was like, there wasn't a lot of access points for the things that we were into. So that, I think, draw, drew us like closer together as friends. And then, like, from then on, it was like, oh, let's do it. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Kind of an off-kilter question, but is there is, is there, do you have a credit for 
kind of your your personality in general? Like how quick witted you are, or anything like that? Is it, is your dad the same way? Is your my mom dad the same was way? wild as all could be, but like chill. Mm-hmm. And my mom is like they're both New Yorkers. They're both New York City folks. So like strong personalities. Yeah, yeah. mom mom was like the the strong voice in the house, and dad was like the gnarly dude of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I would say like growing up in like a like a New York style household, like there's a lot of banter and like family members are all just like sharp. Yeah. So it's like, all right. so I, I would say I would credit like my, my expressiveness to my mom, but like my demeanor to my dad. Okay. If that nice. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Oh, that's cool. Actually, part of this trip out here was, uh, took some of my dad's ashes to the ocean. Oh, he would, cool. he'd passed like a, a, about a year and a half ago, Yeah. but I've been taking him to different places and dropping them off for like, like, he was stationed in San Diego before the war in the and 60s. And Coronado. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So I took him there, and I've taken him to, like, other places that, like, are special to, like, oh, my relationship awesome. with him. So, like, they're doing these drives, like, that's sort cool. of like a... Homage. Yeah, just, you know, last trip with the homie. Pain, yeah, yeah, pain, yeah. Pain, yeah. Pain respect. That's not cool. not yeah. to, like, get heavy, but, like... No, 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 no. 100%. That was, like, part of this trip was, like, doing that, you know? That's awesome. That, yeah, yeah, that's really, that's really sick. Um, I guess COVID... Let's talk COVID because I feel like that that really disrupted your yeah. I got that proxy negative test from like cool. two nights ago. <laughs> the wife took one. The wife got so negative. I've been so I'm good. dancing around the entire country trying to avoid it. Yeah, like, nothing like sitting across from two people just I'm like Muhammad Ali yeah. just out here shucking yeah. <laughs> on the ropes sometimes. Yeah, what uh. I feel like you're one of the people. I mean, it obviously impacted a lot of people travel wise, but I mean, I feel like it fucked with your money um, quite a bit in it. So, January 2020, we made the announcement that FBM was stopping as yeah. a regular business. And then I was kind of like, that was a long process of us like shitting the bed. Yeah. Um, me and FBM Mike. FBM style. Yeah, full on. Yeah. But me and Mike, the other owner, had been like doing what we could for years to try to keep it going. And it like eventually it was just like, we can't. So did January, went to Puerto Rico, did a bike ride with a buddy of mine, Chunk. We rode. This is actually a pretty funny story, too. Let's hear it. <laughs> Flew to Puerto Rico, got off the plane. We rode our bikes from San Juan to a ferry to an island called Calabra, which is like maybe a 60, 70-mile ride. I don't remember. But there was all these earthquakes that were happening. While riding. Or just just in... in Puerto Rico okay, in general. Okay. Like I guess they have a lot of port- they have a lot of earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. So we took the ferry across. It's like an hour ferry ride. And then there's like a bunch of like heavy earthquakes. And the, the sea is too rough for the ferries to run. So we get stuck there for like four nights with Russ Barone and John Superfly Scavarla. Like they met us there. And we're mm-hmm. just camping, stuck on this island for like a few days. Like the ferry won't wow. run. We're like, it's like, couldn't have been stuck in a cooler place. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it was like this awesome experience of like full on adventure and like decompressing from like the... I guess it's like the grief of like losing like the FBM part of my life, mm-hmm. but it was just like a heavy, stressful period of a couple of years where I was just like, Ugh, and I was like unhealthy feeling and like just fucked up. Get stuck on the island. We finally make it off. Then we fly home like a day later. It's like totally changed our whole trip. And then I get home and I'm like, all right, like I'm going to figure out my life. Like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? Like, what's next? And then like. You know, I'd already, like, not had much money. Like, I'd, al- I'd always put almost all my money back into FBM. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, cool. I've got, like, Swamp Fest coming up. I've got enough money to, like, coast until Swamp Fest. And then the Vans series will, will continue, and I'll be, like, 
I'll make my life work. It'll be different, but it's like still be cool. Yeah. And then Swamp Fest gets canceled. And I'm like, fuck, all right. And then like, you know, I had been living in the bus the last few years. I was like, also part of my plan was to like try to like move back indoors and like maybe use the bus as like an art studio. I'm like thinking about, about about ready to sign a lease, and then like the first Vans contest gets canceled. I'm like, Dude. And then you know, dominoes fall, and then all of a sudden. Like, I didn't know what to make of the, the pandemic when it started. I was like, oh, it's like, these things, you know, the news is always sensational. It's like, whatever. Yeah. And then, like, people started getting sick. Everyone started, like, you know, a lot of people that I, I know work in, like, the service industries. So, like, everyone's. But, yeah, East Coast. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, like, tattoo artists, you know, people that own their own restaurants and coffee shops and all this stuff. Like, everyone's just kind of scrambling. It's like all this uncertainty. And it's like, creates all this heaviness in the air. And you're just like, fuck, dude. Like, what are we going to do? And then I just, like took when we got that first whatever you want to call the donald dollars we got that check you know Mm -hmm. so i took that money and i was like i'm going to just go the opposite direction i was planning totally renovated the bus made it so i could live independently cheap Mm -hmm. sorry and uh luckily a friend of mine from crust bikes had just put a a warehouse in richmond virginia he's like you can stay over here i'm like don't sweat it you know like like super generous and Mm -hmm. uh, that was that and then from there i was just like in the bus just kind of like coasting waiting it out and i was like See what happens. Yeah. But no work, like no steady work since. Mm-hmm. I've been like hustling, you know, doing freelance gigs and trying to hustle artwork and yeah. Started yeah. a couple projects since, but Yeah, it seemed it seemed like the announcing stuff was kind of the uh the the icing, you know, like, oh I'll be okay because I have this well, stuff. It was like you know it was good money infrequently. Mm-hmm. But I I was like I've always been like on the you know, the poor side of things, so I was like I can make a dollar stretch. You know how, you know how to manage, yeah. You know, it's like I never grew up like, you know, it was like working middle class, you know, mm-hmm. like we just, you always had to stretch a buck. You always had to make right. it to payday, you know? Yeah. So, so I was like, I want to figure it out. It's no, no big deal. Yeah. And I didn't have like a mortgage and I don't have a family, so I don't have to like, I can like kind of like exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's still tricky and it was like, it sucked and it sucks. Yeah. Because it still hasn't leveled off for me. Like, I'm still just like, but I'm also like it gives me flexibility. I can do stuff, you know. That's that's good in that sense. And it was definitely a time for like pivoting in general, you know. I mean, but, it was like it was like the world kind of stopped. You know, stood still, gave me a second to like pause and figure out what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. So, what I guess at that point you you had drop in and rad share at that point already, right? I'd started rad share. Um, I think two and a half years ago. So okay. Radshare was in progress. Okay. Um, drop in started initially to like support Radshare, but it started evolving like beyond that. So they kind of go to like side by side. Mm-hmm. And Radshare is a full on nonprofit and drop in's a, a profit business. Mm-hmm. And then, so I guess what was, you know, what what's paying the bills in the last two years? Because FEM's gone January 2020. You just get ride share off the ground, pandemic hits, so you're you know, your announcing stuff goes like what is and I guess at that point FBM was probably more I have negative. Not, just to like anything. just to give you like just to back it up a little sec just for like context. Yeah. Me and Mike, the other owner of FBM, had not paid ourselves for about eight years with FBM. So it'd already been existing financially without Yeah. So if you not put, even like a stipend, like like I'd been working zero. Vans gigs and like side jobs yeah. to pay for like FBM tours or like getting people to like sponsor the trips to like get the dudes in the bus and go do stuff. So 
I'd been putting money back into the business rather I was paying to do that job. Yeah. And like if you if you take like the amount of money that we were we would have gotten paid that we were trying to technically reinvesting back into the business, it was like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, if you over that span of the year the payroll, you know, it's like and we were just doing whatever we could to keep the business going. So mm-hmm. I'm already used to being broke. So yeah. it's like whatever. We'll just do a different version of it. What's what's the difference? So to answer your question, I've just been doing like living cheap. Yeah. Reverse prosperity. Yeah. So like if you got like four dollars, no, say say you got five bucks, right? And at the end of the month you need ten dollars, you need twice as much money, right? I've been trying to need four dollars. <laughs> so I got five bucks. I've been trying to only need four dollars, so I got an extra buck at the end of the month. Yeah. Rather than be like behind. Yeah. But like I said, I, I live in a school bus. You know, Do so. you find um the things that you're doing even now, like um, traveling and, like you said, like dropping your dad off in different places is adding, to me, adding more value to There's your a, existence. But also, do that kind of humble you to a degree where you can put more focus on, like, making those critical decisions? I th- I, I think 100%, like, I have a, a – there's a distinct line for me between, like, finances and value. So, like – Money comes and goes. We've all made a bunch. We've all spent a bunch. It's like whatever. It's cool to have it. You know, it's cool to have nice stuff and to be comfortable. But it, I don't use that as like a metric to define like what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do things. But like I've got this like amazing currency of like years on the road so I can like show up with somebody and they're like, hey, you can crash with me. It's like, all right. Didn't have to spend a bunch of money on a hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like so like the network within BMX that I've been fortunate enough to be included in has afforded me a lot of like value that I don't have like financially. So that's, I I have that on, on one of my questions is money versus memories. We'll be right back. Hey, sketch comedy fans. If you like unapologetically uncensored comedy, check out instant microwave fuzz recorded every week, hot and fresh and straight out of the microwave. Unscripted jokes, uncensored guests, you're going to have a lot of outrageous improvised sketch comedy fun. You can find us on all the platforms under Instant Microwave Fuzz. Comedy made in an instant. I've made a bunch of money over the years. Like, you know, I've, I don't want people to think I ever was a crying wolf about like FBM being like in the poorhouse because mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money to do that. But we also sold a lot of bikes and mm-hmm. we made a lot of money and that was rad. But like the people that I was lucky enough to meet and like share times with and spend time on the road with and go to events and like, you know, in some degree influence, like that's like beyond like you can't for me, I can't, I couldn't buy that. Mm-hmm. You know, like people have like college loans and mortgages and all this stuff that cost a ton of money. And like, I don't. You know, not, not to take anything away from them, but like, you know, like this past couple of years, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what, what, what do I do with my life? Like, what's next? And yeah. I'm like, damn, dude, this, like this has been pretty cool so far. So that's good. Yeah. That's like, great. It's great to hear. Like, I'm, I'm like, it's been challenging and stressful and I've gone through some tough, dark like moments. But at the same time, it's like, how can you be bummed if you've spent your whole life BMXing? Like the people that you're around, like you know, the stuff that you're exposed to, it's like, it's like, come on, man. Like everyone gets bummed, but it's like, dude, like even to dig a little bit deeper to what exactly what you're talking about. Like uh, I had a a conversation with one of my friends the other day and it's about like, um, 
the ups and downs, the highs and the lows, or like um, any any emotion, any feeling that you're having with with your own situations, even when you're at your in your darkest moments, do you embrace them or do you just like I mean, try to figure out what to do? After? I think for a long for a long time, I hid from them. Like I partied, I just avoided things, swept things under the rug, and like that doesn't work. Like you can like you'd be like whatever, I'll deal with this later. But like I've learned, I think to be like all right, like I have to get through this. I have to figure out why this is like difficult for me and I have to embrace it because like without like feeling the tough, challenging moments, then you don't appreciate when it's on the flip side, you know? So it's like, for me, it's like, and, but this has been a long evolution, you know, like I've mm-hmm. been the biggest screwball knucklehead BMX bozo. Like, like I'm not exempt from any of my own judgments of other people and other situations. Like I've been, and I'm outspoken and polarizing sometimes. And, but I've, I feel okay with being that way because I'm I'm guilty of every dumb thing I've ever criticized. You know, it's like yeah. and you, I, you, you can be mad at the drunk asshole because you've been the drunk. I've asshole. been yeah. the worst. Yeah. I've yeah. been. I've, I look back at some of my behaviors and I'm like, good god, dude! Like, and like, fortunately, like you know, I've been able to like work past some of these like things, and I'm trying to like, you know, every day I try to become a little bit better of a person, and like, you can't do that without acknowledging your own faults and shortcomings, and it's like. And to your question, it's like, yeah, I have to embrace all these like difficult, tough things so that I can like, you know, when, you know, it's like, cool, like I'm out in San Diego right now. I'm like hanging out with you guys. I've got to see like all these like world class, like I went to OB Park the other day and I was like, fucking I might as well be Chris at, Fox at OB is a fucking site. Unreal. Um, but yeah, I roll up there though. It's like, you know, Kevin Peraza's there and oh, Raddy yeah. Maddie and yeah. like Parker Heath. And like, I was like, it was like warm ups for the US Open. I was like, I was like, well, I was going to ride, but I'm just going to watch you too. <laughs> no, but yeah. it's like, but like it when I get to these situations, like because I've been such a dipshit and I've been able to like start making progress from that, I'm like, how could I not be stoked on this? You know, like yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. And like, like I haven't had an easy route to get here, but I'm thankful for it. You know, it's like, it's, it's made, it's make, it makes me who I am, you know? And it's like, I haven't had a perfect life and I've not, I've not been a perfect person by any stretch, but like, yeah, I've got a good, I've had a good time as a, as a lifelong BMXer. So, mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about the fire beer mayhem portion of FBM. <laughs> fire beer mayhem. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if you know this. I don't. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I. I don't even the dynamics of how it actually went down. Uh, I used to have the screen name Fat Bald Men on AOL. <laughs> Weird, and you, and, you, and you messaged me and basically said weird, like literally. You, and it, it had to be you, and you're like, okay, I was just making sure. And I think I switched it. I think I let you have it, the, and I and I changed it to fat bald me. I just took the N off, and then you got the N or something like that, which is super weird. I don't, I don't even I remember, but like, dial up internet, like literally. I in still high do. School, like pick 10, up the other phone 10, and just shut off. Yeah, like get off the fucking computer, <laughs> you know, type thing. Like downloading from fucking Napster it's, or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty funny because while we were like, you know, through our peak years with FBM, like yeah. we didn't have really any like clear perspective as to like any kind of influence we had because mm-hmm. we were just doing stuff. Yeah. So like to hear people that I'm friends with nowadays or like years later or like people, you know, I'm of the older generation. So there's a lot of people that are like, oh, we grew up watching your videos or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. like I kind of because like. Didn't, we didn't sit there and, and like relish in it. It was like, all right, on to the next thing. So we're always like just doing stuff and being busy, like you know, as BMXers. So like, 
to hear people that like we've had any kind of like impact on or influence on or like any even just made an impression like it's pretty humbling and like weird yeah you know you know the t-shirt story too right i've told you that one did we send you one with a swear word on it I don't know. I don't know. I remember, I, I, I call, you called, I, I think, and I, call, I answered yeah, the phone, so right? I called because... Uh, this I is before like, we were a bike company, right? Yeah. Yeah, way before. Because I li- <laughs> literally, I was like 16 or something. And so I called. I'm, there's an ad in whatever ride or something like that. A small ad or something. And I called, and I was like, I want to buy T-shirts. And he's like, well, how much do you want to pay? And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, literally, like, I'm just fucking nervous. Like, I don't even know yeah. if I knew it was you, but I'm just nervous calling this company that I just, It like, was probably, like, so in our, it was probably in our house, you know? Yeah, it was like... 100%. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like... Our home phone. Like, he was like, I was like, I don't know, 15 bucks? And he was like, and Crandall was like, with or without shipping? And I was like, oh, <laughs> with shipping? He's like, okay, good. <laughs> like, whatever. He's like, just, like, let me dictate it. And it was, it was such a funny interaction That's of, amazing. like, you know, because you probably sold the shirt for fucking eight bucks to the whatever, to the mail I've order. Never, so I've like, never been the most business savvy yeah. person. So. It was hilarious. I've like, always been a hustler, but maybe not so business savvy. Let a little savvy. kid dictate the price of everything. I've always wanted to, like, share what we've been doing with everyone because I want to see everyone get excited. You yeah. Know? Like, and that McGill, and I've, one of the shirts was a McGillis shirt, and it literally, I wore it so much that it, like, developed little holes everywhere. Well, you got your 15 like, bucks worth. I got my Boom. Yeah. So it, 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 FBM had such like an impact, and then going to the video stuff, like I definitely had like Albert Street when I lived at my mom saw Albert Street. My mom saw it too. Like the the, <laughs> the peen on the on the girl with it, you know, and she. I remember my mom like laughed, and I was like, "Whoa! Like this? <laughs> it, what is this? Like what do you? What do you? That was not a." A reaction that i was expecting yeah it was uh, those were some wild times yeah so like the transition from fat bald men to fire beer and mayhem was organic and it was we were young and wild and yeah. we had video cameras and i guess we just wanted to share what we were doing with people and sometimes the evenings got a little you know a little rowdy <laughs> so kind of the, going back to the kind of the, the three friends type thing i'm sure having the camera present made people kind of act up a little bit more but it was also probably it, it, it was, also felt very organic it, as well it was never let's do this for the camera it was more like oh grab the camera this is going down mm-hmm. you know it was like but it was always it's just like when you're riding with your buddies and you're like you got this yeah you know everyone you're getting everyone's getting hyped up in the on the east coast it's like you can only ride for like portion of the year so the rest of the year you're indoors yeah mm-hmm. and you but you still got that same Tweaking. you're just like and but you still got that same energy. You still want to get your dudes, your homies, hi- hyped up and yeah. like, you know, it's the same thing. It's just not always riding. So it was like sometimes it was partying, and it was like, yeah, let's tip this car over. Yeah, let's light this thing on fire. Like let's break these bottles. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just getting. <laughs> it's all just about getting trying to get each other psyched. Was, yeah. Like so that was like I would say, the common thread in all of it. It was like whether we were riding or traveling or partying. It was like, just getting each other stoked. You yeah. know, it's like and that I think that's. I mean, I'm not like a psychoanalyst of my own behaviors, but I think that was the common thread. It was just like I—I I always felt like it. To me, it always felt super like that was the lifestyle. Just as you said, that was a lifestyle. And then when it's like been replicated by other people, it feels forced. You know, like it's like well, a there's, version there's, of it. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I can see that. Even so, like after we kind of established this reputation as like Hellraisers, like we'd go on the road and it'd be like. People would want to like party with us, yeah. but then there'd be like the one dude that wants to show off, and you're like, 
It's like, no, oh, that's not quite Dude, it. We, did, we didn't rehearse this like this. We're yeah. at we're at Applebee's. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> why'd you bring Why'd you bring a fucking can of hairspray to Applebee's? Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like no, it's like chill. But but at the same time, we always embraced all the ridiculous behaviors. Was there ever anything that you filmed where you were like, I cannot put this in a video? Me and Tag had a big argument during the editing of Albert Street, where we're like, there were some situations where I was like, this cannot go in. And it was like, he's like, you can't be wild and like have boundaries. There's got, you got to go all in or nothing at all. And I was like, dude, this is like not cool. We cannot do that. <laughs> well, what? I can't even like, <laughs> I'm not even going to like bring it up. But it was like, but you saw like the level of like poor behavior in that video yeah. for something to be like going back to the out, pee scene is like, it, I can't imagine what would be. There was not. <laughs> yeah. Just to, you know, that scene. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. yeah. So just to give you a little backstory tag was a cheapskate Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he started taping over the tapes like the original dv tapes for albert street and we ended up on a road trip that was gonna be my next question like where are the where are the raw tapes some of those tapes might exist but he would he was just like oh don't lose any quality if you like tape over them and he was like i'm saving 30 dollars whatever yeah at the time it was like all right whatever You know, we got the, all the good stuff. Yeah. At, at no point did we think that like we were creating anything that anyone was going to care about longer than that yeah. moment. So it like didn't matter to us. But so we go on this trip. It's me, Tag, Bob Sherbo, George DeSantos, and Ralph Sinisi. And we're starting from the Northeast and we go through the South and we're going to go over to Texas. And Tag's tape. And we're riding. We're going to these spots. It's cool. And we end up on the... University of Georgia, I think it is. Georgia Tech, wherever the Bulldog logo is. Athens, oh, Georgia. Athens, yeah. UG, UGA. Yeah. You would know. Yeah. So we end up filming there, and uh, the weekend previous, someone had done donuts on the football field logo. So they were all fired up. They were like, somebody came to our college and desecrated our mm-hmm. city's pride and you know, all this shit. I was like, didn't have, we were not, we didn't know. But we're riding and doing some ledges there's like this one rail where it's like a kink curve one and like tag did it in the i think in all time low maybe mm-hmm. but there was in a bunch of videos after that but someone calls and complains because we're you know on campus and we all get arrested and then it snowballs from there into this pretty heavy situation where tag and ralph gave the police <clears throat> fake names, fake names. Yeah. up to that point we just kind of like been in campuses where it's just like kind of like security guards but these dudes were actual like a police force so that was a problem and then like the the so they they were like all right you know they were freaked out and they were like we're going to charge you with destruction of government property which is a felony and we're like fuck dude and i had some i'd been in some bar fights so i got thrown in the orange jumpsuit and thrown thrown in like County lockup with violent offenders. These dudes are all in blues, you know, over in like the the shoplifter jail. So you had a. So you're saying when you said bar fights, you have rec, you had a record. I had a record. Okay. So I was right. I was like classified as a violent offender. Yeah. Got put put in with the. It was pretty gnarly. I mean, in 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 my head, it was never like criminal. It was just like, oh, we're just yeah 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 drunken asshole. Oh, this is illegal. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I didn't mean. I didn't know bottles would break. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so we're in jail. The cops freak out. They get a warrant for whatever. And they go through the footage on the camera. 
and text taping over Albert Street. And some of the bad shit is on there. And they're like fucking melting down. They're like, you cannot come here. You know, act this way. Come from the north to the south. You know, it was like this. The yeah, judge was deviants. like, they were just like, it was, and this is 1999. So yeah. things were like, it was a different time. Like, you know, so I guess the south is still weird. When, you know, if you come from the north, they're just like, not stoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they look at that footage and like somehow we, we, you know, we managed to like not get in trouble for that. We had, we somehow we explained to them that it was like not, not in Georgia. It's like, not real pee. These, <laughs> but like these, these like criminal acts were not, it, it wasn't relevant to the situation we were in. Yeah. But, um, you know, we go up in front of the judge and that dude's pissed at Ralph, like looks at tag, like it's just you know, fucking Bob stoked. He's like, I had the best biscuit of my life in this jail. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm all stressed out. And he's like, looks at my record and he looks at the case and he's like, Mr. Crandall, I'm not sure if I'll be able to set bail for you. And he throws it to the side and like, oh. it becomes this whole big thing. Like we get bailed out. We've been in jail for a couple of days and then, you know, they rifled through our van. It was like the FBM tour van at the time. But, um, they didn't find Ralph's bag of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So, so we were like so freaked out. We didn't continue the trip. We just drove to the state line. We ended up crossing into South Carolina, and Ralph during that time eats all the mushrooms. And we just pull over to a campsite, and we were just kind of like, like it was a heavy moment. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. We've we've crossed the line. We're good. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, all right, we're out of that state. And my lawyer's like, do not go back there. Like, blah blah blah. It's like you're facing serious charges. And I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You know. So let me take a sip of this coffee. <laughs> We get across the state line. We're good. We're like, whew. Ralph starts tripping balls. The next morning, he's like, dude, I had a moment of clarity. And like in that in that situation, Ralph envisions animal bikes. And so after that trip, Ralph starts animal. And if you, I don't know if anyone remembers, but what? there was, I'm, I shit you not. <laughs> so, so like tag being a cheapskate and taping over the Albert Street tapes in some way like le- helps lead to Ralph starting animal bikes. But if you remember, there was like a Griffin logo animal shirt with mushrooms all over it. Yeah. That was homage to that night at the campground in South Carolina. That's amazing. Where Ralph was like, he's like had an epiphany. Like he was like, his parents were like, Ralph, you're like two steps. His dad, I remember his dad would be like, you're like two steps away from being a bum. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ralph starts animal after that trip. And then like, wow. Another BMX legacy is spawned out of the chaos of our like weird, tour van (laughs) is there is there uh something that happened that uh you didn't film like some sort of legendary thing where like you couldn't quite get the camera in time i can't think of anything off the top of my head there was always somebody because we we had a couple friends so there was like the drinkers and then there was like gilly hasn't drank in 30 years Mm -hmm. so there's always someone around that was like just observing and if, making sure nobody dies officially yeah <laughs> so like we had the camera on a lot okay so. but there i'm sure there was but i can't remember off the top of my head <laughs> or maybe i bet a little bit like um since we were talking about like the, the stuff that happened in georgia yeah. and all that you you talked about on like a, a previous interview about and it was brief about a guy pulling a gun on you guys at a skate park in georgia no this is like when you were younger i think you guys went to oh this. so that's happened a few times oh. on a few FBM tours and like, or just, but one of our first trips, we were in a Hudson Valley skate park and dude, yeah. dude pulled a gun on us. And it was like, you know, borrowed my mom's car. It's like drove like 
Like back then, three hours is light years away, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was like a, a shocking moment. But there's a, a we were on we did a series of tours called the Gypsy Tour where we'd invite like five crews, right. kind of travel like alongside each other, and we'd meet up, and it would be a jam wherever we we met up. But we were in Connecticut one night, and we were you know party style. And this dude comes up to the van, and someone else is driving because I'd been drinking that night. And he puts a gun to the door of the van. Like, so there's just the door between me and him and the gun. And he's like, you looking to get shot tonight? And I was like, oh, what? I was like, I'm not looking to get shot any <laughs> night. <laughs> and like, but I never told the dudes in the van that it happened until we got back to like where we were staying. And then like Daryl Nall was with us and I, like, I was like hammered. And I was like, Daryl, like this thing happened and I'm kind of freaked out by it. <laughs> and he was like. So yeah. the guy just said that and then peace. It was off. like, you know, like we were like probably just being rowdy and like oh. loading into the van. And yeah. it was like. You know, having words with the locals, like yeah. shit talking. Well, know? yeah, you got you guys. But like that happened. Attention. But like, and and it had diffused itself. However, I don't remember exactly how. But but I remember that moment being like, "Fuck, dude, last thing I want to do is get shot on tour." You know, yeah. It's, like, yeah, yeah. it's like I don't want to get shot anytime ever. <laughs> but yeah, like we we'd always been dancing around some very serious situations, like on both the fun and the not so fun side of the fence. Yeah. So yeah, it's on. Um, Looking back, it's almost surprising that you guys got away with as much as you Well, did, it was before smartphones, know? so it's like it wasn't all blasted. Yeah, true. So we could kind of like narrate our own like reality. Or like, you know, we're, we're art directors, so yeah. like what we put out into the world was our decision. So we, we, there was editorial, you know, even like it's like wild and like, you know. Is that somebody knocking on the door? Someone's beating on the like door. Yeah. yeah, let them go. <laughs> but uh, going back to the Georgia thing, we all had to sign a piece of paper like, we all got persona non grata for two years. We weren't allowed back to Athens. Wow. And I've never wow. been back since. Wow. <laughs> it freaked me out. Oh, like, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure. like facing jail time for street riding is oh, like a bummer. Let me get that. Sorry. Break. <laughs> but going back to the animal thing, I don't want to give the impression that I'm in any way responsible for like this iconic like legacy with, no. with animal. But I do want to illustrate that like so much in BMX was connected in those years that like everybody was influencing everybody else and like connected like the community like everyone was a part of of the thing you know so like all these cool things happened and like everyone was kind of like a bystander like a spectator to their friends doing all this cool stuff so like ralph and those guys were going to do animal regardless of like getting arrested in georgia mm-hmm. but like it makes the story that much better. It does, man. You know, like, it hit real close home to home for me. You know, hearing that's like, what? Like, that's crazy. Because, like, I started I'm sure there's riding more, really There's nice. more to it, I'm sure, from Ralph's side of the story. But, like, that's that's a real thing. You yeah, know, like, that's amazing. And Bob was so hyped on the biscuit in jail. And, like, I was not hyped on my experience. Like, <laughs> I thought you were talking shit, but he actually was hyped on the biscuit. You get Bob on this podcast someday, he'll be like, oh, no shit. That was the best biscuit I ever had in my life. That's an, I would love to have Bob on this podcast. Uh, he'd, he'd probably be the last guest you would ever need because he's like his, his storytelling oh, yeah. and his yeah. experiences are like like bar none. He's, he, and his opinions are like just as outrageous. His opinions are outrageous, but they're like also on point. Yeah. You I mean, know, like I, the perspective I, I is I like, don't always oh, agree. Yeah. With, like, I don't always agree with Bob's point of view, but I, I, I'm like, I always appreciate it. Yeah. Like, and it's like, all right, Bob, you're fucking crazy. But Hey, last, <laughs> last time I talked to Bob, we were arguing about, uh, I think religion in like a fucking Denny's at 4 a.m. Like of course five you years were. ago. Or something. The only thing that, the only thing that surprised me that it wasn't a waffle house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, 
circling back, so Fire Beer Mayhem. Um, I have a kind of a two part question. Okay, is you know where I was going with the the early Fat Bald Men influence for me was that your guys' videos were impactful and influential to me from a from a writing perspective and also from like a party lifestyle. You know, I tried to break a green bo- bottle on my head one time as well. And it's like you had a lot of good influence. Was there has there been like backlash influence, you know, like because because your drinking obviously tapered off mm-hmm. and I have like parallels where I'm like I bought, I, I bought Stevie a fucking 12-pack one time, and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Well, he was like fucking 16, you know? Like, I shouldn't have enabled that. Like I that think it's a little bit of a bummer that some people took what we were doing as like, oh, partying is important. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I think, and like, this isn't like a developed thought, but I think the partying was just an extension of riding. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to have a good time, and we were just with our friends so I don't think like I think we were probably a little irresponsible in how we shared and portrayed like the partying. The editorial. Yeah. So yeah. it's like looking back, I'm like, I wish we'd have had a, a disclaimer that says, Hey, don't drink and drive, like don't yeah. take pills, like yeah. you know, don't fuck your whole life up. Like we were good at partying. Yeah. So like <laughs> some of my friends weren't good at partying and it was disappointing and sad to see things go the wrong direction yeah. for them. And I do have some regret about that. I wish that I could have, like, you know, say, put a helmet on, dude. Like, you yeah, know, like, yeah. And it's so, like, so, hey, maybe don't drink nine like, days in a row. But it's also know? like people thought that, like, something that was wild in Albert Street was how we lived every day. And it was like, it's like, dude. And like, sometimes it ended up that way on tour. It's like every time you get to a town, that's the first time they've seen you, like the people that you're riding with, and they want to have a good time. And it's like, of course. Yeah. But that's the 12th day in a row that, we've been celebrating the end of the day and it's like, I'm I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. So like not, we weren't always wild. Like it was never disingenuous, but it wasn't constant. Yeah. There'd be times, you know, where we just, you know, people have jobs. We we always had like, like everyone in our crew, like no one was a career BMXer. Yeah. You know, so it was like people work during the week and when they get the week off, they want to let go on the weekends. Yeah. And we're traveling to like some jumps or a skate park or an event somewhere. And it's like, yeah, we're going to let loose. And we're excited. Yeah. We're excited to see everybody. And we're excited to do all this cool stuff. And, and begins feeding off of one another. All that excitement. Out. Like, it's, you know, it's like, it just turns into like, you know, energy. And it's like, and you're just hyped. And you want to, you know, so you, we would let loose. But I, I do wish that there was like a, a little bit, I can't, you know, obviously can't go back in time. But I wish that I could have like told some of my buddies that like, you know, kind of got swept away in it. That, that like, hey, dude, like, don't do that. Yeah. Or yeah. chill. Yeah. But yeah, you could always, I have a couple of examples of people where I'm like, oh, we kind of like brought them in and like inundated this, this party lifestyle. And then we all grew out of it and they never did. Well, you know, yeah. it's like, fuck, like, I wish, I wish we didn't do that. Or I wish we like kind of put that, yeah, that disclaimer on there. But I think I can't control what people's perceptions are of what we do. Of course. And I, I don't feel like that's my responsibility. You never but, do anything. Exactly. But, like, people just assume that we were all eating light bulbs. Yeah. And, like, to this day, people still reference Albert Street. I'm like, dude, that was over 20 years ago. Yeah. And there's people that were, were, you know, a big part of, like, what FBM is and was that never drank or did drugs. Like, John Lee, you know, yeah. Magilla. Like, John Lee's never drank or done drugs in his whole life. He's, like, been a you know, instrumental part of FBM since the get-go, you know. Mm-hmm. 
like not everybody was like covered in this blanket like idea of like oh they're just wild and they're like drunk rednecks or whatever and it's yeah. like there's been like we've always been a very inclusive group i thought of all different types of people but people choose the most sensationalized like versions yeah. of fbm and they just run with that mm-hmm. what uh what's lou up to these days i don't keep in touch with him a ton but uh I think he's just doing his weird Ohio Pennsylvania border crazy person life. Yeah. He's got a child. I think he's, he's not he's in got jail. A daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't he's not. not I don't. I don't not keep in touch with him. But I'm not like. I don't. He, I see him post. I see him post on like like BMX stuff every once in a while. I think even on Instagram and all yeah. that. And it was like I tried to tell my wife like this is the guy, you know, that did this. And I'm like, and I was scrolling through his photos, and he definitely had like a mugshot photo, yeah. like as like a. <laughs> like oh he's in there yeah i mean i hope he's doing good yeah it seems like he's doing all right yeah actually so. so um kelly baker kelly baker is 55 years old I think. he's one of my favorite people on the planet man um I th- his son is going a ripper on motocross right one of his sons is a ripper on motocross his daughter is super cool his wife is super cool and he's got another son that goes to cornell university where kelly works oh wow and he's on the wrestling team which is like very high level Oh, wow. So Kelly's, like, somehow managed to walk this line between, like, absolute maniac and also, like, he's a good parent. Yeah. yeah. And he's held a job for, like, 20-some-odd years at Cornell. And it's, yeah. like, he – I don't think he rides a ton anymore, but he would. He's 55. Yeah. But yeah. he rides motocross. I remember, like, talking to him, like, a year or two ago. He's like, I broke both my legs again. And I was like <laughs> – Motocross is gnarly. I was dude. like, what yeah. do you mean again? I yeah. both of them. <laughs> when, he, when we worked the Transit Motocross dudes, those guys would just, like – once a year, one of them would just get fucking murked. And they're like, oh, because you're going 50 miles an hour. You may not think you're doing anything, but, but when you fuck up, you get fucked. Yeah. Kelly and his family are directly responsible for... So there's two things that influenced the FBM crew into being like, you know, rowdy and wild. Yeah. There was the East Coast Destruction guys, which was one of the first videos we ever had. Mm-hmm. And they were just nuts. The Bethlehem area dudes, like badass riders, and they were just into all the antics. And then Kelly grew up going to motocross races with his dad and his brother. His dad's name's Wobbly Bob. Just, <laughs> and they'd be, you know, all these crazy stories from the motocross track. Unadilla and Broom Tioga were near where we lived, and uh, they were just wild. So that influence, like, I met Kelly when I was 13. Like, he'd come over to my house, and he'd be drinking beers already. So he was know? 21 at that point. And, yeah. you know, he's, like, trying to hide beers from my mom, and my mom's like, what's he doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. like he was spilling beer one time, trying to pretend he didn't have a And my mom's like... Just fucking admit it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, like, a child, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like... Imagine like some curious wide-eyed BMXers and like that kind of influence like from the get-go. And it's like, of course, things were going to get a little out of hand. You know, like our heroes are fucking nuts. The the one time that I got to hang out with Baker was kind of like what you were talking about earlier. Like, you you know, you're on a tour and you get this, you know, end of the night thing and this vibe was that the trail jam that didn't happen. Yeah, we got rained out. That was a... And you and Mulligan were in town. That was a fucked up day. That was a wild. That was day. like a let's turn it up day because we can't ride. We'll and I think we probably were showing off a little bit. <laughs> I, maybe. <laughs> Literally, it was like a, a trail jam that just got it got rained out, and it was like pouring rain. But we just stayed in the woods and just started drinking in the middle of the day. And people were climbing up trees until they like thirty feet in the air until it like bent down and stuff. And then they're just getting fucking <laughs> rowdy. Wow. Donuts with guns shooting in the air, which we don't even think we know who those people were. Don't, no, they, we were with them. We, oh, okay. we, we, 
We went to another spot in the woods that had like a swimming hole. Yeah. And we went there and some of the dudes started just doing donuts in like the parking area and just shooting a shotgun off. And then the... There was like a a homemade diving board. And the Teen Wolf. Tito, one of the Connecticut, New England dudes, was Teen Wolfing on top of the rig like... Going fast, like on, on on the top of the bus, going fast, like surfing it, like... Going fast yeah, down that the was, road. That was a drunken mayhem. Weekend. And then we went to the bar that you named the bars afterwards. Old 76 bar. Which I was like, it's a bar that you named bars? Like, I didn't know it was like an actual place. <laughs> that was like right down the street from the trails. Yeah. And the trails, Baker's Acres, were, that was Kelly's grandfather's like logging trail right. that he'd gotten passed down through the family. And the Old 76 bar was like a hunting lodge like logger like yeah like just redneck spot that was probably not even always an there official was, bar there was like four of us and we doubled the people that were in yeah there on, on that sure. night you know it was, <laughs> but it was like it was never very crowded but it was always a dangerous spot to be in like yeah. you don't you would you had to like mind your p's and q's in that spot and so you give a moment it ended up if i remember correctly that we found like a door stop and then put that and then propped up like a Christmas tree base on a chair. And then we're putting each shot. You'd shoot the ball and try and get it into the fucking Christmas tree base. So it was like oh, it was six like, feet like after the playing pool table. Pool, yeah, pool table Hot Wheels. Yeah. And you put a dollar per shot in. And I remember Baker one time put his face like right above the Christmas tree thing. I can't remember if I shot or somebody else shot. And he let, let the and ball he, hit him. And he just stood there and smiled. And he... And it fucking got so close to his face, and he didn't even blink. He literally was like, like just, and it, I was just so amazed. Like, like without question, one of the toughest and wildest dudes I've ever. He would have, ta- he would a hundred percent taken the oh, fucking. Yeah. What just toughest dude, wildest dude, like lucky to have like, you know, have him as a lifelong friend. Yeah, and also sometimes I'm like, I can't believe this guy's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there then, was there was one time like. At the Christmas Classic, another weekend, I ended up in jail. <laughs> but uh, come to find out this later, we're we're waiting for the elevator. It was in like the Hyatt Regency in Columbus, and it was like the 90s. And Mulligan's there, like waiting to get on the elevator with me and Kelly. And we were friendly, but we weren't like tight. Yeah. You know, we were aware of who each other were. And uh, I, I don't remember if we were in the elevator yet, but we were about to. And Kelly's like, hey, bud, I got you a Christmas present. And he just decks me right in the face. <laughs> and I was like... I was like, cool, man. I got you one too. And we just went back and forth like a handful of times. And Mulligan's just there, like backed up in the, like with his backpack on. And like years later, he's like, yeah, dude, I was there hanging out with you guys. And like, you heard freaking me out. You guys were punching each other in the face. But like, at no point where we like bombed at each other or did it yeah. get out of hand. Yeah. But I remember the next day, like, Gilly had gotten arrested that night by the cops. <laughs> the sober guy got arrested. And they may, they mace tag, and I was like, I was hammered ass drunk. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way we can let Gilly. We got a kamikaze into jail. So I went and talked shit to a cop, and they just instantly threw me in the tank. But I remember being in jail, and I'm like. As a plot to get <laughs> Magilla out of jail. <laughs> I was like, we got to get him out, and then it turned into, I'll just go, I'll just go hang out with him in jail. But I remember like leaning on the thing, and like, I was like, oh man, my face. And I'd forgotten that Kelly had decked me a few times. So I was like doing the like, just like, and I, my face was all sore. And I was like, oh, that sucked. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the night that it, after the pool thing, you and, and you and Mulligan uh, fought kind of in the, in the Scra- back. Scrapped a little bit. Yeah. In the back seat of the car. And you guys were like covered with scratches the next day. And we were probably like, each other. like, are we mad at each other? No, yeah. That's cool. And I woke up on your kitchen floor to you putting your face in a 
pot full of like ice water. Yeah, trying to like calm down like the hangover. It yeah. sucked. Yeah. So yeah, I remember parts of that event. Yeah, that was was an eventful day that I'm glad. Like I was definitely that was three weeks of of times crammed into 24 hours. Oh yeah, it was, and we stayed. Oh yeah, it was just it was a day that did not end, and it lived up to like all my like FBM. Yeah, you know, like time. Is it real or is it a facade? Is it a facade? (laughs) I think they they kind of created like um even for myself like we were talking a little earlier ago about I grew up riding trails so. If you know anything about FBM, you kind of like know that these guys let it all hang out. Yeah. So yeah. whenever you're like riding, you just want to let it all hang out. If you're scared, if you have a friend that's like way better at this, then it's like, what would they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I was like, I remember like, you know, specifically moments where I was like, not sure of myself and like Kelly or Tag or Gilly being like, you got it, dude. Like, let's get this. Let's make it happen. And it didn't matter if we were riding or like trying to meet some chicks or like yeah you know fix your car in a parking lot of a skate park like you got this dude like, yeah but like yeah like nothing cooler well there's a lot of cool stuff but when your friends juice you up like that is awesome and when i see like crews nowadays where their friends are where they're all gassing each other up i was like i see that i get it like yeah. that is it right there yeah. and that's like because like literally anything's possible if you put yourself in the right circumstances and you surround yourself with the right people like and I think we're like evidence of that. Like we're like a bunch of knuckleheads from upstate New York. Anything is possible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, here I am, you know, nearly 30 years later talking to you guys. It's like peaking right now. Fucking pumped. I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, but like, but like all these echoes of like, you got this dude, like for me and all my, my, my homies, you know, and it's like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's almost similar to what Beswick was talking about, like on the shoulders of giants, but you guys are together, you know, yeah, like instead yeah. of you're not on the shoulders, but you guys are like and, in and, it and together, I think like you know, be, like because like our, lifting the thing up. Yeah. Like the, it is. the FBM scene was never like a big, so like Hoffman had Matt Hoffman, Hoffman bikes, like Moliterno at standard Moeller and his crew at S and M, you know, sorry, you know, Joe Rich and Taj doing T1, like Jimmy at metal, like, Brian at volume. These are like celebrity probium Xers, like individually that are going to be successful regardless of like these ventures. Mm-hmm. The FBM crew was just the crew. Yeah. So it wasn't like me or any one of the dudes like tag went on to become like famous, like, you know, uh, you know, amazing street rider, like full pro dude. Mm-hmm. But like collectively as a group, it was like a different vibe than like some sort of celebrity status where like people didn't look up to us the same way. They looked across to us. Mm-hmm. So we were like together with everybody. It's a more relatable. That's a good, yeah. Like, that's a good yeah. way to say it. You know, it's like we were yeah. just regular dudes doing like pretty awesome stuff. Like mm-hmm. not to like give myself too many kudos, but like what we did and what we continue to do, like within my community, like awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but like what we were doing was like with everybody, not like there was never an audience in what we were doing. It was like everybody was included in, like, we, we encouraged everyone to participate in what we were doing. It was never like, hey, check us out. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, come on, dudes. Let's do some cool stuff. Yeah. And, like, I don't I feel know. like what... that's, yeah, that's like your, when you said, like, don't look up to us. Look across to us. Like, yeah, we're, like, we're with it. Like, I we like were, that. We were together with everybody. Like, and I think that, like, our, like, imprint in BMX during our, like, you know, big years was, like, different than, like, people didn't put us on a pedestal. They were, like, hanging out with us. Yeah. You know, and I, and I was always pretty proud of that. You know, yeah. it's like to give you more kudos. I feel that I feel this, that energy from you. Like every time I've ever met you or been around you, it's always like 
like you've already known me or we know yeah, the, each other. The, what's up, bud? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. to somebody you don't know. You I know? can't make like, it up. Yeah. Man. I it's, can't it's, make it it's, up. It's like I'm excited. Like when I go yeah. to like these events and like if I'm an annou- announcing at a Vans event, like I get hyped and I'm saying ridiculous shit on the microphone and I'm like, but I'm psyched. It's not an act. Like yeah. this, I'm just like psyched on BMX. Like I get hyped when people are doing cool stuff. Like you know, it brings me up. It elevates me, and that's why I've been such like a steadfast, you know, like participant as a BMXer. It's like it gets me hyped. Yeah. And you know, like, who knows, like what would it, what, what I would be like, or what my life would be like otherwise. What, what's your advice for somebody that's, you know, that's 30 or so 25 and they're, they're, they're losing that hype. Is there, is there something that you can say to, you know, because having that energy, uh, as being a lifelong BMX or and, and even more so an industry person, because a lot of, a lot of times industry can take that hype away. What I've been rolling with lately is like no rules, just guidelines. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you have all these like goals and they don't kind of like, if they're not fluid, you get something done, then you're like, oh, now what? Mm -hmm. But it's like, I don't want to like accomplish things. I want, I'm, I'm ambitious in a way, but it's not like so goal oriented, it's process oriented. So mm-hmm. it's like, if it doesn't matter what you've gotten done or how old you are or like your position, it's just like getting stoked. Like that's it. Like you can get stoked and be like a mediocre rider and make a great life for yourself that's happy and fun without major accomplishments. And if you can frame your own narrative that way, then you're, you're like doing it. Like yeah. you don't have to be successful financially or like the most athletic and like you know revered professional like BMX is just riding and like the trips and the friends and like all the cool stuff that you're doing it's not like the you know it's not the the medals I think I think in I definitely don't want it to sound like a dig in any sense but it's like I think why you were besides being uh charismatic and funny and and things of, of that nature and in road fools and stuff like that but the fact that you were present and you weren't a like a, a very good rider you no, know i was like, a very good looking rider very good looking <laughs> at riding uh you know i think even just from my perspective because i'm i i was uh aware i was not going to be a professional rider well uh, uh, pretty early on when i'm i grew up with gary gary mm-hmm. was a uh, Gary was really fucking good yeah. and I was like I'm not as good as him and I could tell that I wasn't going to ever be that good well I think early on I, I realized like I'd gotten hurt a few times where I'd watched Gilly and Tag like progress beyond where I was like we were like close yeah in the younger years but they were always a little bit better but then I started I got like a couple major injuries where I was like all right I'm clearly like in the back of the pack so to speak but then it was like the shift it was like you know like there's like Matt Hoffman and Evil Knievel and like these like, you know, hugely influential, just, yeah. yeah, icons. And not everybody's going to be like that, you know, but everyone can have fun riding. And I think I kind of like, without realizing it, I was like, I just like riding bikes. Yeah. And like, I want to do everything I can to be part of this whole thing, whether it's putting on an event, like I'm not going to be a sponsored pro. I'll make my own team. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, that wasn't the intent, but like I got to be part of a BMX team by creating one. You know, and it's like I created one because I was a part of BMX. Created more avenues. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's like, so like I didn't, I didn't look at things through the lens of like, you know, the typical hierarchy of like pro, you know, sponsor, this, that, or whatever. It was like, I just want to do cool stuff and I want to hang out with cool people and I'm excited about this. And 
no rules, just guidelines. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, all right, it doesn't have to be like the raddest thing in the world, but it's still fun. Like, like you can't tell me that the best riders in the world have more fun than like the most Grom riders or like, yeah. it might be vice versa, you know, like, That's, and like, yeah. and uh, in a lot Expectations of expectations and, uh, you know, those, those a, type of things. In a lot of ways I've maintained like this Grom outlook where I'm just still so psyched on things, you know? And like, there's been times where I've kind of been like jaded and like overconfident and, you know, arrogant. And I'm like, I look back on those moments. I'm like, God, that you were a dick. <laughs> it's like, but like when I'm just like, oh, that's awesome. And like that enthusiasm's still there, but sometimes it gets clouded by like my day-to-day realities or like, you know, getting caught up in like the, you know, the wrong attitude on things. And, but like anyone can do BMX. Yeah. You don't have to have a skate park. You don't have to have a mountain bike park or you could go out. Like, so that's why street riding is such a big thing. It's like everyone can just go out and make their own reality there's, you don't have to have a ton of money. You don't have to be of means. You can just like rip it up. You can make your own life the way you want. Yeah. Like brick and board. It's like, yeah. it's all there. Yeah. It's yeah. all there for the taking. And, you know, if you need recognition or financial reward or all this stuff to like feel good about it, then you're already a step behind. But if mm-hmm. you just, if that happens, rad. But if you're just like, this is awesome. I'm, I, I rolled my ankle. Cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Oh, I got a flat tire. Oh, well, we had fun. You know, yeah. it's like. I, th- I think you were a beacon for, uh, of that idea without, maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but for the, from the outside perspective, seeing you on that trip, cracking jokes, like specifically referring to road fools, but like cracking jokes and, you know, and, and doing some feeble grinds and doing what, you know you were capable of doing and still being in that mix of those super pros but I like think, meant I think, a lot to I people. I think that that yeah. said a lot that people weren't hearing otherwise was yeah. that it doesn't matter. Like I was riding with like the world's best riders and mm-hmm. I wasn't the best rider and that wasn't, it wasn't an issue. Exactly. It was like, we're just riding. Yeah. And like the, the, the different like fragments of riding or how things are like, you know, categorized. That's like by everyone else. People that are, people are just riding. They don't care about that stuff. And like, I was lucky to be part of like a time in BMX where like I was included alongside the best without being, you know, a phenomenal bike rider. Mm -hmm. But like I was a part of what was going on and it was regardless of my skill level, like my dedication to BMX, I guess, spoke just as loudly as like how good Joe Rich was or, you know, Rooftop or any of these riders, you know, was there ever a point where you were like self-conscious that you didn't belong? always yeah. my whole life i've been like imposter syndrome like, yeah like i'm not good enough i'm not cool enough like yeah you know every i think everyone has that everyone's insecure Definitely. everyone's uptight you know everyone's like super self-conscious and like embarrassed and you know at some point you just have to embrace it and be like i am fucking weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> run with it yeah. <laughs> run what you brung yeah. yeah um it's hard to not be hard on yourself it's hard to not like feel not good enough it's like real easy to like get discouraged but it's like going back to if you have the right people around you it's like all right dude like it doesn't matter if it's not a perfect you know air on the ramp or like it's like oh it's a little sloppy grind or whatever it's like yeah you you tried it you know like sometimes you know like trying is more important than succeeding yeah just showing up is yeah being present and participating is is my takeaway yeah like everyone can participate in bmx so you don't have to be the prettiest, you know, the most important, whatever. But like, you can't take that away from somebody, like how much they enjoy riding. Yeah. That's, that's like the individual, like prize for each person. Cool. Wow. I I think, I think you've, you've 
done that and 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 told that to so many people over the years. I think one of my like proud I don't know what you call contribution. It. One of my proud contributions to BMX is like I've literally met tens of thousands of riders in the twenty some odd years of touring, face to face interactions where they were able to see like with me and my group of friends and what we were doing that like anyone could participate, anything is possible and like the world is yours. You can do yeah. whatever you want. And like, you can build a fucking a, a loop out of power. You can do whatever you, you want. And like you see like some of these influences that we've like made over the years with like, you know, Trey and Swamp Fest. And yeah, like, there would be no Swamp Fest without, and it's without like, Ghetto Jams. And like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not taking credit for anything that all these amazing people are doing, but there's definitely been I'll an influence. I'll give you credit for that. Hey, yeah, there, be, there would be yeah. no... So if, if you think... If you love Swamp Fest, it would have not... There would, Swamp Fest would not exist without Ghetto Jam. But to my point, it's like I was able to... With what me and my friends created, like, put a positive influence and impact out there where, like, you know, we might not have made videos that had the most views or had the most Instagram followers. What's a view? Exactly. And, but we showed up in a black school bus and we met people in real life and we hung out with them and we, like, encouraged them to, like, do, you know, throw jams and, like, make their scenes better. And, like, what we did in person created ripple effects of, like, the DIY aspects of BMX that I think is, like... You know, it might be understated, like in the in you know, like social media, but like people remember when the the school bus showed up and like the Ginch Bros and Kenny yeah. Horton and Latine and yeah. the Leaper Bros got out and they were like, "Who's this fucking ragtag group?" Call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Eric Holiday shows up and it's like, and they're all ripping riders, yeah, but like yeah. some of the some of the young riders don't know who any of them are. Yeah, but they're cool as shit and they're like, it kind of like takes away a lot of the expectations and the barriers and like it it opens up some people's eyes to like there's more opportunities than just being True. famous or just being like popular yeah. yeah and like i think that's you know i think i'm 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 lucky to have had that opportunity to like say hey dudes like you don't have to do it you can do whatever you want this is what we're doing check it out but hey you know like throw a jam get get your homies involved like do all the cool stuff travel as far as you can like rip it up and like I think that's like that's an important part of like creating like some depth in the BMX scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you're if you're not doing that once the pandemic, if you haven't been doing that once the pandemic, you know, ends and all the shit gets a little bit back to normal, you should you should make that a, a, a guideline. I, I mean, say, yeah, cool, yeah, but you should make that a guideline to to go out and experience. It's it's weird like stuff. it's it's what gets me excited. You know, it's yeah. why I've been able to stay excited for so long. It's like you see all this new stuff, like anything. Nothing's new except for when you experience it, but like you're never going to see something new if you stay in the same routine all the time. Mm-hmm. So like you get to see all this cool stuff out there. It's like, dude, that's fucking awesome. I'm like 47 years old. And I'm like, that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's cool. What, uh, when did the beer start become a problem for footing for FBM? Um, so, me, Tag, and Gilly started FBM as, like, a group. I was, like, the 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 one that put it all in motion. But, like, collectively, like, it was us together. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Gerb got involved and, like, it turned into, like, this thing. And it's, like, you know, it's... You, that's, like, counting. That's, like, number five. I party. Smack I'm here to thing. party. <laughs> Beat so the like, mic. So, so, <laughs> so <laughs> Tag was a huge part of my life in FBM. I've known him since we were 12, he got cancer when we were 37 and passed away. That's so fucking insane. And uh, that was like a very heavy 
experience for me to go through. Yeah. Um, around that same time was like when we'd kind of crested over our like one of our peaks with FBM where like we were really popular, really cool, really successful. Like we'd done a lot with like, you know, doing events, touring and like starting our own machine shop. And like we had a lot going on. Tag gets sick, passes away. Like we become a little less popular, like BMX changes, like start having business struggles. My best friend is gone. I'm kind of like aging BMX here. I'm trying to figure out who I am. And I'm like, and I'm just like, to what you talked about earlier, you know, like facing some of these like difficult moments, I'll just be like, drink it away. Yeah. Just worry about this tomorrow. Yeah. And I was helping Tag's mom clean up some of his stuff, like literally like a milk crate full of like BMX racing trophies from like the late 80s or early 90s. And I just reeked a booze and hangover. And she just kind of gave me a look. And she, I was like, you know, still friends with her, like to this day, like my whole life, you know, friends with her. And she's like, didn't even say anything. She just kind of gave me a look like, I know this is tough, but you got to take better care of yourself. Yeah. Like she didn't say it, but I knew it. And I just never had a drink again. Oh, wow. Then, wow. I mean, it's been a fucking challenge, you yeah. know, like I relied heavily on like, you know, masking Coping. my own securities, insecurities and like dealing with my own bullshit by just being like, oh, I'll just have some beers and we'll just, everything's cool. We're partying. Yeah. Uh, didn't work anymore. Um, I was physically unhealthy. I was mentally fucking deranged. You know, I was a fucking shithead. You know, I was like depressed. I'd gotten depressed a few times over the years. That was like, I didn't realize it at the time because I'd always been a hype man. But I was like, oh, I was bombed out. Like, FBM was changing in, in ways that wasn't like the same progress we were used to. Like, you know, in my late 30s, like, you know, yeah. life's not the same as when you're just a teenager you know like yeah. we were teenagers as long as we could be you know, do tag- you feel that with with your with the personality that you are and talking about specifically this moment and where it was a tough time for you and do you feel that a lot of like stress from all your friends and everybody not just like been specifically put onto you but because that you were always more probably like more upbeat um, more outspoken um, that you can t- you could take on a lot of different things that you had to put a lot of your own personal things on hold just because a- of your absolutely like there was a lot of situations where I was like you know I'm tour dad I'm like team manager I'm like you know the founder of FBM so when something tough happens in our community people would rely on me to be like oh dude how do I deal with this or like what do we do what happened what's going on and like exactly like I would be like I'll deal with my own emotions and grief and bereavement later I'll be here for the dudes now and I'll drink. And then like, eventually you're like, there's something looming back here and it's like not real positive and it's a bummer, but you're just going to pretend everything's cool. Yeah. And like, and I think that those things compounded in a way that was like pretty heavy for me personally, like internally, but I didn't realize it because I'm always the dude trying to get everyone psyched. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's on the road or like filming or shooting a photo or like, you know, art directing FBM, I was like, let's just get everyone hyped. But, like, really, there's, like, heavy issues that are, like, looming that I didn't have the wherewithal to deal with. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a handbook to be, like, here's how you do your own BMX company. Here's how you become an aging BMXer. Mm-hmm. Here's how you handle substance abuse. It's, like. Forced to figure it out as you go. Yeah, and, like, yeah. dude, no, dudes don't want to talk about their own bullshit. They're like, and, oh. the, I mean, the loss of your best friend. Yeah. And yeah. it's, like, yeah. everyone, and everyone's always, like, oh, no, we're good. We got this, you yeah. know. You know, hey, you, you doing okay? Yeah, it's all good, dude. Like, everyone's, like, it's all good. And it's like sometimes it's not, and that's when you see your friends struggling, and it's like there's not there was never really like a 
a support network for dealing with shit. Everyone's just like, all right, it's good. Until the bottom falls out, you know, like, and people just keep going with it. You know, some people like don't stop drinking till there's like, a, you know, you know, some tragic incident, like whatever in their lives. And I was like, I was lucky that I was, I knew that I, I was not taking care of myself and I, I wasn't proud of it, but I didn't know. Coping. Yeah. You're yes. trying to manage. Yeah. And, but then when, once I stopped, I was like, Oh, okay. I started understanding like, some of the shit that I was going through in my own bullshit behaviors. And I was like, okay. But then that helped me like understand some of my friends with their struggles. Cause it was like so much of what we do and like how we like navigate through these situations says so much more about ourselves and the, like the situation or the people that we're like, you know, amidst. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, looking back at some of the, the things that in my life that I'm not as proud of, it's like, man, that said a lot more about me than like, you know, who I was making fun of or mm-hmm. how I was acting or like what I was like kind of like, you know, trying to, you know, portray. Or yeah, it's just yeah. like it's like, ah, oh, dude, like and it's hard to like come to terms with your own ego, even even without being like, you know, a pro BMXer or like, you know, we all still have like all this baggage of like, oh, you know, I'm pretty important. I did this. I was on Road Fools 8. Like, I yeah. watched Berenger puke out of a horse mask. It's like, but like nobody's got any more value than anybody else. But we all end up with like, whether we realize it or not, with our ego and our baggage. And, yeah. and then like life happens and you're like, fuck, what do we do now? And I'm like, so I don't know if that answers any questions. Oh, no, it answers mean, a lot. Man. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I think people hearing those things, it, you know, put a lot of things to perspective, you know, and it contributes even more to like you, your whole as a BMXer and what you contribute to BMX in general is showing that like on the backside of things, you're still normal. You still deal with things. And, yeah, and, and with like, and with aging and with going through those different things, you learn. I, and, and I'm lucky enough to have gotten through some of these tough moments with the support of my community and like the people in my world and be on the backside of these things without feeling too sorry for myself because it's like. Like FBM changing was like a, was like that was my whole life. That was like twenty eight years of my life, and it's like I still got something to offer. Let's let's see. And, you know, I still enjoy all this. Let's see what let's see what's next. And but having people in my corner that are like, let's do some cool stuff. Like you got this. Yeah. And it's like you got to put yourself around people like that. You know. And that, yeah, and that's that's you know I feel for people that don't have that support group. But it's like because and, because you are such a yeah. But dynamic you have, person that but, you that you bring in people and you yeah. support them and then they support you back and it's like you have that circle well I've, you know? al- I've always said that like with the fbm crew it's like we didn't like go and like source a team you know it wasn't like here's tryouts here's an application like sign up for fbm it was like we all just kind of found each other and it was because of like you know what we were into and we were all excited yeah so like there's an old saying like you're the sum of like the five people you spend the most time with and there's been times where I spent six. <laughs> there's been there's been points in my life where I spent a lot of time with some knuckleheads, mm-hmm. and I look back and I was like, I was a knucklehead, and I'm if, still a knucklehead. If you if you, I mean, I, I'm not I'm definitely not like a big like self help type thing, but I, a person or any heard any of that stuff. But I've I've always heard that like if you want to be more successful or you want to be happier, you or you want to be whatever surround yourself with people that are that you yeah. know so if you want to if you want to drink surround yourself with people that yeah. drink it'll make it a lot easier for you if you don't want to drink surround yourself with people that don't drink and surround yourself with people you know so, so so like that that you can all control like you can you can't control the world 
but you can control like what kind of music you're listening to, mm-hmm. what kind of food you're eating, how good the coffee is, mm-hmm. and like the people that you surround Soup yourself gang. with. Yeah, you know, it's like, and like you can like if it's raining or the world's falling apart or like you don't like the news cycle, that's that. Mm-hmm. But you could be like, hey man, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna listen to some good music, I'm gonna eat some good food, I'm gonna hang out with some good people. And that part of my day will be awesome and I can control that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that's something that I kind of like figured out a little bit along the way. And it's like it's made a big difference for me. And it's like that's crucial, you know. And it's like I, and I noticed that, it's like, okay, if I hang out with this dude or this person that's like, you know, they've got their, their merits. But they're also like a little negative or whatever. It's like, okay, like that affects me. Mm-hmm. And I need to like shift, you know, it's like. Everybody, you know, not not everybody's meant to be like best friends, you know. It's right. like, and everybody's got the, like something that they bring to the table. But if you're the smartest dude in the room, you need to go find another room so you can like, wow, you know, and like, Bad. so I can't be around people that are just doing stuff that I did in 1998. Yeah, because I'm not gonna like, I, I did that, you know, and it's like I'm not taking nothing away from that, but it's like I don't want to be a broken record. We didn't put out Albert Street five times, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like we didn't do. You know, people like bring back ghetto comp and it's like, yeah, that's cool. But like we did it already. Like, yeah. what do you want me to do? Like, I can't yeah. do the same thing over and over again. I want to try to like find new challenges and like get through those and like learn and develop like within those situations and like grow. evolve. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's, it's, you got to keep moving. Like yeah. you can't just keep, who wants to like just ride a Peloton all day? You know, it's like yeah. that's cool it's good exercise but it's like i want to get out and like be in motion yeah you know? no, but it's got the screen with the road right i mean that's you could actually like go down the sidewalk or something. you gotta keep yeah. moving like that but i mean like yeah. for real like that's that's where like the inspiration comes from yeah. and like like the influences like don't come from sitting still and being around the same energy so two-part question you cold turkey quit drinking yep how hard was it and what changes did you notice it's it was super hard because it was all I was used to. It was really lonely. How well and how I guess yeah because you said lonely so you, you so stopped all associating. My, well, a bunch of my friends were like, "Well, we don't, we're not going to go over to Crandall's tonight." My house was like the zone. Mm-hmm. Like it was like we're not going to Crandall's because we we feel weird drinking around them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I don't care if you guys drink. You know, it's like I'm not judging them, or I don't mean to judge them for the way they're behaving. Mm-hmm. So it, like it got real lonely. Um, you know, a lot of self-doubt, like, how do I navigate in these social circumstances where I'd be like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, it's like, uh, you know, so I had to, like, learn how to socialize. I had to learn how to, like, but it, there was a lot of positive things that, as well as, like, difficult situations. Like, all of a sudden, I had two hours in the morning where I wasn't hungover and, like, a few hours in the evening where I wasn't partying. So I started doing art more, and I started riding in the mornings. And I remember in this, like, this period I've brought this up before like I was trying to figure out who I was like am I just doing this because this is what I do or it's like like I was just questioning everything and I was riding one morning at like seven in the morning by myself at the jumps and I was like I just started laughing I was like I can't believe I'm out here this early riding I was like because I was like do I even like BMX anymore like I didn't know Mm -hmm. because it was like you know I was like not feeling great like mentally or physically and then I was like dude I'm a fucking BMXer I'm out here by myself getting it like no one's watching like there's no like like i'm not putting it on social media like Mm -hmm. not filming for a video or shooting a photo like i'm just there i was granted it was riding at seven in the morning because it was gonna be 100 degrees that day yeah but it was like it's like dude like i was so proud of myself for being like not just sleeping in that day and having and it's an afterthought you didn't think about it 
why you were doing it. No, to I was do just, it. I was it like, was this like, is yeah. fucking funny, dude. Yeah. I was like, it answered my questions. I was like, yeah, dude, you love BMX. This is what you do. And I embraced that. Yeah. That was another thing for me to like run with and be like, fucking cool. What about, did you lose any friends? Like, was there, I mean, like, did your, you know. I think there's different versions of friendships that you have where like some friendships are deep connections that you're there thick or thin, like yeah. anything goes and you can always, their years could be going by and you'd be like right back at it. And there's friendships that are based loosely on just hanging out and bullshitting. Mm-hmm. And some of those became like more distant and that's fine. Like not, I didn't lose friends, but I think friendships changed. But I think I became a better friend to the people that I was good friends with. Wow. But also, like, because I was such seven, seven. <laughs> I was, I was. People like just looked at me like this party guy for so long that when I said, "Hey, I'm done drinking," you know, like a bunch of people reached out and were like, "Hey, dude, like I've been wanting to do this," or people like, "Hey, I've been doing this good job." Mm-hmm. So I kind of like became a part of another community where like people would support each other in like making better choices for themselves and i was able to like be there for some people that had like looked up to me on some level and be like hey dude like i can't tell you what to do but this is how i've been you know trying to like figure things out for myself and that's been pretty rad that's cool you know like and that's kind of like a little bit of penance for like my behaviors before that where i'd like inadvertently been a bad influence it was like hey you know like now i can and that 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 sort of led me to like these this like next chapter of my life where i'm trying to like share more and help people more and like do more to like uplift. Yeah. And that was eight years. It almost eight years. Almost ago. years. I think, congrats. So yeah, congrats. come June, it'll be eight years. Congrats. And, and rip tag, obviously rest yeah. in peace. I mean, and that's the thing, like, you know, with tag passing away, it was like a lot of feeling sorry for myself, but it was like, dude, I've got to like honor the memory of my best friend by doing better. Yeah. And like, and I've had a lot of friends over the years, you know, come to pass and it's like sad and it's tragic, but it's like, it's hard to not just feel grief and sadness and get bummed and depressed, but it's like to honor your friends and their legacy and the time that you spent together, like says so much more than just feeling sad and getting hammered and like, you know, self pity. So that's kind of like, and that's like, that's a hard choice to make. Like I have to like, I have to choose to do that. Like, it's like, it's real easy to just be like, fuck. But if I, it's like, you know, like if I'm, if I'm bummed out and I go like ride to the top of a hill and I bomb it, when I get to the bottom of that hill, there's no way I could be just as bummed as when I was at the top of it. Cause it was like, that was fun. Wow. You know, like, you know, so it's like, yeah. sometimes you have to just get out and that's like where they have fun. It's like, every... it's like the, have you ever seen a sad person on a jet ski? No. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's kind of where the have fun every day thing came from. It was like, and without realizing it, I'd been like struggling with like different difficult feelings. But if I at least had fun every day, and did something that I was like proud of or stoked on, mm-hmm. then like I couldn't get too bummed. There was like at least a sliver of like happiness and stoke in that day that would help me get past the the tougher moments. It's it's cool that I you know as as I said you guys you guys and FBM and those videos were such like beacons for like fire beer mayhem and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and see so you parlay that into you know. It, being wise enough and strong enough to just quit and 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 get to a, a better spot with it is yeah is, and, and, is and like cool. I said I was lucky to have like you know people in my corner whether they were drinking or not they're like you know like, like you know I got to thank all my friends for like being like sticking with me like sticking with me through all my bullshit moments as a drinker yeah 
And then I've experienced a couple <laughs> and then sticking with me and encouraging me to do better. Like, yeah. you know, I'm proud and happy that I have friends that like, you know, look out for me and like, let's talk about FBM as a business. Okay. So I feel like via the documentary, like I love my bicycle and stuff like that. We kind of, most people should know the beginnings of FBM and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen that that story has been told plenty so yeah um, so let's talk about like peak fbm like you know there was a time period where you were running ads and ride and you guys were fucking doing you getting cease and desist from disney's <laughs> and shit like that yeah. where um you guys were really doing it so we had a, we had gone from a couple dudes slinging t-shirts for gas money into like a bigger group of friends with more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and we decided at one point, like, we'd, like, oh, let's get a bike made. Let's make a bike. And I remember me and Tag trying to figure out a name for another bike company. We were going to start it. And we're like, oh, MBF instead of FBM. And I was like, then finally one day he's like, let's just do FBM Bike Company. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And, like, so we, like, started figuring out ways to get sprockets made. And, like, the Tag specifically sourced out getting sprockets and stems made with this dude. I never knew Tag had such a role in that. I mean, Tag, like, everybody was always part of the thing. Yeah. Like, I was the founder. Me and Mike Herb were the owners. But everyone was a part of it. And I think that whole, like, everyone being a participant thing was, like, integrated into our program. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> I was just... Uh, I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just fucked. No. So, like... And, by the way, eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we started like, it was like everything we did opened up a new door for another opportunity, like whether it was a trip or an event or, you know, a video that we'd done. It was like, well, if we did that. Like, what, what, what else could we do? Which led us to starting a bike company, which led us to starting our own machine shop, which leads us to your question. <coughs> that was from the, you, you got me when you said you good. And then I like... <laughs> <clears throat> So I was trying to to hold off as long as I could. So that's like long story short, like all these cool opportunities led us to like us having the ability, the opportunity and the confidence to start our own machine shop, the bike company, you know, so from a few dudes, you know, just making stickers and raising hell at events to like, I would say in our peak, maybe we had like maybe 10 employees, Mm -hmm. you know, cranking out like hundreds of bikes at a time, like. Full product line, big team, warehouse. You know, like, it was cool. It was like the dream came true. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy fuck. But it was, like, not without its own hurdles. And, like, it was a very heavy learning curve for all of us. We had no idea what we were doing. But because collectively we each had our strengths, together, you know, it was – the sum of it was more than each of us individually. Mm -hmm. And we were able to accomplish a lot of stuff. And it was an important time in BMX that, like – there was a window for us to be able to do that, you know, like, so like BMX was ready for us to do what we did and it worked Mm -hmm. for a long time, you know, what you had, see, it was there like a moment or a decision that kind of like set the things in motion for it to end or is it kind of just, it was kind of like, like, was it complete? Like I always think of the fire, but that didn't, that was like the the fire, the spark actually. Yeah. The fire was like the Phoenix, you know, like that was like the catalyst. So we weren't making bikes. Then we had the fire. 
And that was like, well, what do we do now? It's like, well, fuck it. Let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. All in. Did you lose, like, did you have insurance? Or we anything? had insurance, but, like, the company had grown a lot uh-huh. from when we got the insurance policy to when we had the fire. Sorry. Very good. So it wasn't like the coverage from the insurance gave us the means to start a machine shop. It was more like, well, we can't stop now. What mm-hmm. are we going to do? So we just, everyone just hustled. My, my, my favorite phrase is, too dumb to quit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too dumb to realize that it was a crazy idea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like everyone was – and like each dude that was involved, it was like, oh, like, you know, Dave was like, oh, well, I could be – I kind of was like, hey, Dave, like do you want to like head up this project? Or It's like, oh, this is an opportunity for him. Like I thought he would like had more experience than he actually did. And he probably thought that I had my shit together more than I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, You're talking like, about spooky, right? Yeah, yeah. big Dave. And – uh so it's like an opportunity for him to create like his own spot for himself within FBM. So it was like everybody kind of had this like, all right, let's go. We're all in. Let's do this. So we're like together we were able to do something. You know, and that's that's been like, the uh, you know, another one of the common threads throughout the, the narrative of FBM is like together there's so much more that we can accomplish than if it was like just one person individually trying to like, you know. The yeah. we. The we, yeah. Yeah, we. full on. What? So – I remember FBM, like when you guys did completes, I don't want to say you guys were, you know, there was this time period in BMX where it was like all these component brands and frame brands are like, like, this is the next big thing. We need to do complete bikes, like the full line. Yeah. Is that, is how difficult was that? And like, what sort of impact did that have on the business? So the first year we did it, so we did completes for three years. I think we did like six or thousand completes total Mm -hmm. all in all over three years. The idea was we would subsidize the machine shop with complete sales Mm -hmm. and we'd get entry level bikes and create customers of people that would be lifelong FBM fans Mm -hmm. to buy our aftermarket stuff out of the machine shop and then use also that money to make the machine shop better and like, you know, have better resources kind of the opposite happened like the completes took up all of our resource and it, like the machine shop kind of like you know we just had fewer resources and most of the people doing completes had parent companies or lines of credit where they had more leeway each year that we did the completes it got more and more difficult to eventually we were like hey let's just do what we're good at which is like you know what people think of with fbm mm-hmm. but all all that happened like while like our our position in BMX was changing like and then in 2008 or 2009 the economy tanked mm-hmm. and then we stopped doing completes and it was an active decision we're like hey we're going to scale back FBM a little bit so that it's more like manageable but then it was like a perfect storm of like backwards and perfect i mean perfect bummer mm-hmm. like so we had some like employee perfect shit storm. yeah it sucked so like we stopped doing completes we had some employee turnover and then like around that same time too, like I think our warehouse situation, like the building was becoming condemned. So like all this tough stuff was happening all at once where like any one of them, if you had a parent company, you could have like navigated smoothly, Mm -hmm. but all of that eight, nine, 10, (laughs) (laughs) all those things combined and being an independent brand, like it just, that was the beginning of, the descent of FBM, like out of our peak in like the mid two thousands. But it was, it was like this afterwards, you know, but it was like, that's when it became more and more difficult financially to like maintain forward progress. Yeah. Was 
This is, and if this doesn't make it to the final cut, that's fine. But there was a time period where I felt like you were resentful towards me as a person who worked at the magazine. I don't think I meant to do that. And if I did, I apologize. I was always, I always had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder being like the underdog company mm-hmm. where like eventually I started to embrace it. But I felt like, you know, if we didn't have enough money to advertise all the time, then like the magazine, it felt like the magazine would give a little bit more coverage to the brands that were consistent advertisers. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like we worked really hard to like do cool shit, go out and meet the riders or do events. Like we did trade shows, you know, we did contests, we did tours. And I felt like we were so committed to like BMX as a whole that people didn't realize that we were not just trying to make FBM better. It was like our, our theory was like in rising tides, like all the ships in the harbor come up. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were always trying to do. We we're just trying to make BMX like uplifted as a whole. Yeah. So I think sometimes I would get a little jaded and have a chip on my shoulder because it's like, fuck, dude. Like, well, just... you would like that, 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 that's understandable too, because like you, you're looking at, it's hard not to involve emotions and feelings no, and, and all that stuff and things what, you love, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but also, you're, you're, you're out there. You're doing the work. You're, you know what you're doing, and you're putting you're you know, an amazing your amount. Yeah, you're spending all your money. Crazy amount of effort to just say, oh, just get out there, you know. But also not just saying it, but you're actually out there doing this and stuff and being around the people. It so. gets exhausting, and there'd been times where I wasn't at my best, and I'd be like, you know, say something snarky or like, you know, be coming off like a bad road trip or like a you know we'd be on tour and i'd be dealing with like financial stuff that wasn't we didn't advertise yeah and i'd be like bent out of shape or like leave for tour and have an argument with my girlfriend right before i left and just kind of just be in a bad mood you know it's like and then like something would happen and i would say or do something that wasn't a true reflection of like how i felt or who i was but that was the impression i made yeah and like that's regrettable but it's like that's part of just being a human, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, and it sucks because we, there's some, I'm sure, you know, I've, I've always had like some, some hard opinions about different aspects of BMX where I wish that like it was more favorable to what we were doing, but like we weren't the most popular. We weren't doing, we, 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 we always kind of went against the grain and I should always reminded myself that like, it's never going to be smooth if you always choose the hard way. Yeah. And like, that was our thing. It was like, it's like, duh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it it's what you're talking about, obviously at that at that point, like I was I remember being pretty bummed because as I said, like my fucking AOL instant name was was fucking fat old men. Like I literally loved FBM and I loved Crandall, so it was like, Oh, here's this guy and he's like he's mad at me and it was like a drunk night or whatever. But that was um, but like going back to what I was talking about earlier. And it was kind of big picture shit and I but I mean we were drinking so I, I don't remember specifics, but I just remember being like like fucking bummed because at that point I didn't have any fucking say. I wasn't the boss. You know? So, like so that kind of thing, going back to like being negative and being a bummer, that was more of a ver- reflection of myself putting it on you which says more about me being like in a bad place in that moment rather than like what you took from it which was i was just being an asshole no 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 i i didn't think you were necessarily being an asshole i was just it was like i said resentful toward towards you know like the magazine and and, but it came out as towards me so i took it personally but there's also the idea that we can all do we can all do better and there is this there's this fucking and we deal with it all the time like when when trey got on the 
Hinkins podcast and he was like called us out for a bunch of stuff it's like there's uh, an inherent uh, negative part of this job where we can't give coverage to people that don't pay the bills because they don't fucking pay the bills and I don't have endless amount of energy and that's and that's totally and it sucks and then that's the reality of it but the fact that you took it personal to me says that you care about something so much that it mattered that way and that's kind of just how I always felt like it's hard for me not to get upset or bummed or like sometimes be polarizing or weird because I care so much about BMX it's been the most constant most positive most important thing for so many years of my life that like if I'm disappointed or feel slighted or whatever, I'm going to express it. And I'm glad you took it personal because yeah. it means that yeah. what we were talking about was important to you. Yeah, of course. I, I'm bummed that I made you unstoked, but Hey, we're here now. So yeah. yeah like, and that's it. And, and you know, like I, I there was a, at that point, like that was part of me, like probably being in my more arrogant times where I thought I knew it all. I thought I had it all figured out. And it's like, and like Joe Rich said, once you think you have it all figured out, it's like the furthest you are from like understanding anything. Yeah. So well, I was, you spoke about it like right before we started, how you've been, you want to be more mindful of what you say and what you do. And do you feel like the the past, obviously the things you've been through personally and the friendships or business friendships, do you think that contributes to like your decision making now when it comes to how you handle uh, um, day-to-day conversations? Had I not evolved from those points in time, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys now because everyone would think I was a shithead. They'd be like, fuck this guy. And there's plenty of those dudes out there where people just don't want anything to do with them. So like to take these situations and to be able to learn from and evolve, like it's the same as like being at a, when you're riding and you like, it's not working. You have to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. And like, I'm lucky enough, like going, keep going back to like my community. Like people will avoid you if you're a bummer, but they'll encourage you to do better if they believe in you. Yeah. No. That's, so, uh, yeah. And I, you know, and I took those, I, like I said, a drunken conversation 12 years ago at this point, you know, but, uh, it, you know, I took it, I, I took the words heavy, you know, and, it, and, and there's, there's aspects of this job that are, that are not endearing and they're not fun and they don't make me likable. And, and I get that, you know, but for the same reason that you said is that BMX is literally all encompassing. When, when ride went away, I was like, Oh fuck, what do I fucking do? I know, you know? But you like, picked, you picked up the pieces and you made it work. And yeah. like, you wouldn't have done that if it wasn't important to you and you yeah. wouldn't have gotten bummed on what I said to you, if it wasn't important to you yeah. and maybe amidst some hurt feelings, you also found a little fuel, hopefully yeah, for to sure. like, to like, or at least if nothing else, consider a different perspective, Com- yeah. competition and being checked and, and it's, things of it's, that nature it's is crucial. It, it either, it either crushes you or motivates you. I will you say know, like, so. uh, like since I've been around you and like watching some of the stuff and even like here in this situation, I, I watch how you, how you take on like different things that people will say, like you will, you'll take it. Even if it may bum you out, you'll you'll think about it's like, okay, so what can I do differently? Yeah. And even to myself, like I try to be in these situations. I like, listen to you talk about a lot of stuff to like take it in, like literally take it in because there's certain things that I may I may personally have, and I may personally do that I don't pay attention to. But mm-hmm. like listening, it it's hard to a, pay attention. To all yeah, our, yeah, it you know, is. It's like and like you know like there's been moments till like what you know this the interaction that we had where like. Looking back, like I had interactions like that where I was a kid and people like my heroes, I'd met some of my heroes and I was just like devastated. Yeah. And I took notes and there was times where like I went over the line and I wasn't cool. 
but I tried to be like, if I'm ever in a position where like, I'm going to bum somebody out that like looked up to FBM or me or any of my, my friends, like, even if I'm not in a good mood, I try to put that away nowadays and be like, encouraging, positive, like, like, and nothing's perfect. And none of us are perfect. And like, you can't make every situation, you know, right on, but like, I'm trying, but you know, I'm trying to do better and like all work in progress, you, you know, know like, like just as, just as you said, if you, you know, everybody has room to grow and everybody has yeah. bad days and everybody gets in their own fucking head but about like, something. But there, like, going back to the handbook thing, like there was no handbook for like you guys, there's no handbook for us. Like the, the furnace kicked on and that was like, <laughs> <laughs> but like none of us knew like, and none of us, we were all our own bosses. Yeah. So like who the fuck's going to put us in check? Yeah. You know, we had to put ourselves in check. We had to hold ourselves accountable. And, you know, sometimes I had to learn the hard way that I was being a cocksucker. If there, if there is something you can add, uh, you can, a uh, string of advice that you can give to anybody that may listen to this, if, if they had an idea, wanted to start a company, whether it's like uh, frame stuff, clothing, anything that they want to start, do you have any advice or any uh, encouraging words? Well, a few things. One, anything is possible, but you got to work for it. And there's more payment in the process than there is in the result so if you're like if you're enjoying it then like you could do anything it's like you've you've already made it but you got to be realistic it's like you you, like i could have never done all the things that i've been a part of in bmx without being a part of a a solid network and a you know a support group of people that helped me do better you know like but you got to be willing to like sacrifice whatever you know makes you comfortable to accomplish what you want to accomplish you know payment in the process i like that term. yeah and i'm back sorry yeah no uh ah. uh let's let's circle back to fbm okay um so you said five years of not taking a check uh, i think eight years eight years wow. give or take yeah what well one one other thing was i felt like uh fbm you know you had aaron ross you had uh Hamlin, you had a a group of established pro riders, and then FBM kind of went the more like grassroots thing. We're like, hey, we're not we're not doing the 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 we sponsor a pro pro rider. I, I think we stickers. found ourselves getting swept up in like how other companies do things, mm-hmm. and then we've done that a few times where it was like, what works for other companies doesn't work for FBM, and mm-hmm. we would have to kind of like scale back or kind of hit the reset button and like. We did a lot of cool stuff with like the you know the our famous era team. You know, we sold a ton of bikes with Aaron Ross, like, and we didn't try to make Aaron Ross become an FBM person by like the public's perspective. We just let Aaron do whatever he wanted to do, and I was like pretty like resistant to a lot of his ideas. I was like, that is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> but we sold. But looking it t- back, you're like, fuck, we would have made a bunch of money I mean, out of that. We probably some of the best selling bikes we did with Aaron Ross, yeah. you know. Like, I think our best selling bikes overall were like Stairmaster, Stairmaster, yeah. and then like that era was like the PW Moto and the Capone were kind of like brother sister bikes, and mm-hmm. we sold a lot of those. Is this dog one over there? Um, but that was like it wasn't, uh, how do I say it? it wasn't sustainable for us to move and try to keep moving forward in a traditional BMX fashion. Mm -hmm. Like we just didn't make enough money selling frames that we made in house to keep that kind of forward progress. Like, like a traditional BMX company had been doing. And and that makes sense. Now looking back to, to me at the time, I was like, well, it's a pretty weird move that they're just like, 
uh, foregoing the formula that's it that it, yeah, people are supposed to do but then at the same time you were doing these events and you're doing you're doing a lot of stuff that other brands do the, not the do. events and the touring and all the face-to-face interactions were like that was our strong suit with fbm like like you know so-and-so pro rider could put out the best video you've ever seen and it you know unfortunately it'll get lost in the shuffle it becomes some white noise people still remember the ghetto comp they still mm-hmm. remember you know certain fbm tours or brawling at the Belmar, whatever it is like for us that was how we made our biggest impact was mm-hmm. people you know getting people stoked in real life like yeah. a lot of other companies you know relied on just their team and their promotions yeah and they you know that works for them it wasn't it wasn't working for us yeah. sometimes it would work but you know, you have like United where it's like they are a full length video company and kink yeah. or the same kind of the same type of thing. And you get Colt where they put out these 15 minute banger videos online, you know, and everybody brands kind of have their shtick and some do it all kind of yeah. mix it up. And, you know, we were always just like always just trying to do the best we could with what we had. And like we didn't have the same resources or the same budgets to like hire a filmer or pay celebrity writers the same way or like do a lot of things but like what we could do is dismantle the abandoned building next to us and turn it into a street course you know like <laughs> or we could you know put it you know an alternator on the van like in a parking lot in wyoming like, <laughs> you know it's like we what we could do wasn't part of the formula but yeah. it was part of the charm you yeah. know it's like it was anything do whatever we can by any means possible but enjoy the ride you know yeah. and it was like there was a lot of turbulence and but i think that gave a lot i think that was a lot of the appeal because people were like they're just regular dudes like we're down to support these guys and like we're relatable we were cool to a lot of people and like you know and people were invested in fbm as participants not as spectators yeah. uh, what was the last like viable part of fbm like where was it like was it the custom frame stuff or what like what was like still going we, that was keeping it chugging along or just your just your blind it was it was i mean it's hard to say um it had gone up and down like in pretty big peaks and valleys the last few years like i remember we borrowed a bunch of money in 2017 to stay in business Mm -hmm. and we had some friends like we'd come together with like a 25 year anniversary graphic with the with our friend jesse J, and we had a good lineup of bikes and soft goods and everything you good yeah, I just sorry. I always just it just takes a it it blinks, so oh, I have okay. to give it a long pause. So, so we borrowed a bunch of money in 2017 when we'd had a really bad year, and you know, me and Mike were co-signed on these loans. It wasn't just like FBM, the corporation, borrowing money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we're foregoing our own payroll for ourselves, borrowing money. 2017, we were having to, like almost out of business year. 2018, best year we ever had in ten years. And it's like fucking cool. This yeah. we we got it. We can do it. We can still do it. The next year, 2019, leading into the 220, terrible year. Just bad sales. Like why? A, a thousand reasons. You know, like it's hard. We couldn't keep everything in inventory like a normal bike company would. So we would have frames one month, hoodies and pedals the next month, forks the month after that. If we'd have had all of our line all the time. And available, I think it could have been differently. Yeah. But you know, a thousand things. We were like American-made bikes were like not as in style as when we started. Yeah. It was 
difficult for us to maintain the cost of production. It fluctuated so much of, you know, it was our own fault and our own doing like that things had ceased to exist in that capacity, but we didn't have an easy route either. Like, so yeah, it's just crazy if you have a great year and then a shit year, you know, but it's like so much relies on everything firing on all cylinders for how we were doing things that when one thing falls off or there's like, you know, we get behind in another situation. It just, it's like Jenga, you know, like you pull one piece out and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, sometimes it stays up and you just stack it back up to the top and you keep going. <laughs> but, but like it was, a, it was a very tricky juggling scenario for a lot of years. And the last term of that loan, me and Mike were like, if we're, if we're firing on all cylinders, when the, when the term of this loan is up, we'll regroup and figure out what's next. Yeah. But it was like falling apart and like the morale within the company had gotten low. Like I'd gotten burned out. Like we'd all just gotten burned out. Yeah, like yeah. we'd given all we had to try to keep it going. Yeah. And unfortunately, like we kind of like met the end of the road. Yeah. But I was like, it, it, it's fine though. You know, it's like, it's not a sad story because everything we did, we accomplished everything we'd set out to do. Like, and probably more like, and, it, you know, for the last couple of years, it was just trying to sell enough stuff to pay the bills to, like, keep afloat. Yeah. And there's a different dynamic and, like, energy to being, like, big dreams and, like, you know, community effort to accomplish all this great stuff to being, like, I hope we got enough money to pay the bills this month. You know, it's, like, like the motivation to keep doing stuff changed from, mm-hmm. like, passion and dreaming to, like, operating expense yeah especially when it's there's you know you know you got this guy in the warehouse that that needs his money because he has a family yeah then you know that's like, that's the real pressure and like that's tough you yeah. know it's like you know and it, it wasn't always perfect you know there was moments where like you know, payroll would be you know late and like yeah you know the painter would be like we'd be, owe the paint shop money or the screen printer money and it's like you know you're not doing that stuff to be a dick it's just there's just no money there like you just have to try to prioritize it in a way where you, you think you see a path forward, but sometimes it's just not there. And that shit weighs on you. It's owing people money and seeing that phone call come in super, and you don't have it is and, a stressful. And, thing. and so much of what we did was relying on like our community. And when you come up short within the community, it's a bummer, dude. You're like, mm-hmm. fuck, dude, like it's disappointed in myself. Like, where did I go wrong? Like all this shit. And it's like, you know, and, and like when money's involved, like, you know feelings get hurt yeah or you know you choose one side of an understanding that like makes sense to you and then you know like ruins relationships as well. it does it's yeah. a bummer there's been yeah. there's been like several like situations where i wish i could have gotten through it differently yeah. and it's like fuck man like but it was like you know some people might look at like what happened with fbm and be like oh crandall's on a yacht somewhere you know, drinking champagne. And it's like, motherfucker, I'm living in a school bus. I'm on a yacht, but I'm sober. <laughs> it's a dirt yacht. <laughs> it's a dirt yacht. It's a black school Land bus yacht, that yeah. I turned into a tiny home. <laughs> but it's like, I'd hate, I hate the idea that some people thought that me and Mike, the other owner had like cash out. Or something. Yeah, like yeah. we, like we had done, you know, we made this decision and like, Oh, well, I'll see you, you know, off to the sunset in our Cadillac escalades. It's yeah. like, we've made every sacrifice we could that we understood how to, to like, try to keep it going and it didn't work. And, you know, like some, you know, people thought that because we were a long standing company that we had 
done really well for ourselves. And there was times when we did, but it, that's what it costs. You know, yeah. we, you know, one, I remember one year was like the first time we did really well. It's like, wow, we made a million dollars in sales. I was like, holy shit. I was like, how much did it cost us? They're like, it cost us a million point one to make that money. <laughs> I was like, perfect. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting like 900 or something. No. <laughs> so it's like, no matter what, with the machine shop based, you know, American manufacturing based business, like no matter how well we did, it cost us a lot either personally or financially to make that happen. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people understood that. Like, you know, friends that like, you know, Vic at Circuit, like always a huge supporter of FBM. He's like, oh, some of the guys just think you're like rich or something. Right? You're just like crying wolf. And I'm like, I was like, can you tell them that I'm not? Because, you, know, like, <laughs> you know, like in certain, in, you know, FBM had like a stronghold in certain areas, you know, like you'd go somewhere and it'd be like a lot of them, FBMs. Yeah. I was like, that was our, our scene. So if you're like within that scene and you don't know me or behind the scenes that well, you're like, oh, FBM's like badass. They got all these, everyone's riding their bikes. Yeah. But they don't realize that it was like, a very heavy effort to keep the fucking ship afloat for a long time. Um, what, uh, is there, so you said, you said you officially shut down in January, 2020 mm -hmm. and then obviously it got weird for a couple months and then the bike industry took off. Wouldn't have happened for us in that situation. The bike industry took off for people that were getting stuff outsourced and overseas. And I've, I've had this inner dialogue a lot. Like, we still wouldn't have had money to like keep the machine shop running on all cylinders. Mm. Like, and people were buying bikes, but they weren't buying a ton of, they wouldn't have been buying a ton of FBM frames. Yeah. I disagree. Um, Cause I feel like everybody sold a lot of shit, but, and you know, pro, a profile, we, a profile was scared for a little bit, but they're still getting, you know, and peak yeah. COVID like aluminum, their aluminum plays shut down and they're like, well, we can't, if we don't get aluminum, we can't make no fucking stands, <laughs> you know, like there's pockets um, or whatever, but. I don't, well, maybe we could have sold a lot of stuff. Yeah. I don't think we could have afforded to make more stuff. Yeah. So it would have been like. And you and you would have had to weather that three or four months of really weird time where you everybody thought shit was just going to Yeah, and like at that point too, it's like things were so weird. Like, you know, dudes with families like as part of the business, like they you know, can only go on a wing and a prayer so long where they got to yeah. prioritize what's really important, you yeah. know. Um, what, uh, are you most proud of what, from FBM, you know, like a single thing, whether it's, you know, this one tour or the, or the ghetto jams, I think you kind of already said it, but just let's, let's lay it out there. I've had this thing going on in my head for the last couple of years about the American dream mm -hmm. and how FBM participated in what I thought was the American dream. And then I'd gotten hurt really bad and I'd like, couldn't even afford to go to a doctor and like get new glasses or get my teeth fixed. And it was like, I got really bummed. And I was thinking about all this stuff that like, you know, how all in me and like the FBM guys went with what our dreams were and how I got bitter. Like we talked about earlier. I was like, fuck dude, like I went all in on this and I can't even afford to like get new glasses. And I got super bummed and like, I got to thinking about it and I was like, the American dream wasn't what we were making and selling and like manufacturing as a machine shop company with FBM, the American dream was this community that we'd built in this network around like DIY ethos and like friendship and like helping each other and being there and like doing the best we can. And like, I'd had this like moment where I was just like, dude, like that is fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Like 
I've got lifelong friends because of like what we did with FBM. Mm -hmm. I didn't come out of it, you know, financially sound or even emotionally sound, but like I came out like as wealthy as I could possibly dream of in relationships, experiences, memories, accomplishments, like that community that we built with FBM is what I'm most proud of. Like there'd be dudes out there swinging hammers at events that we're doing that like I'd only met once before and they'd have an FBM tattoo mm-hmm. and they'd be drinking at eight in the morning. <laughs> so like all this cool stuff like was not the tangible thing that I thought was going to be the result. It was that process, that paycheck in the process. It was like, here's all this cool stuff. But it, I didn't realize it at the time. And, you know, after the fact, I'm like, dude, that's been it the whole time. It was the people like FBM is the people. It's for the people. And that's where that phrase came from. It was like it was never me it was never the team dudes it was never the staff or the frames or the bus it was the people Mm -hmm. it was all of us together collectively doing something that was bigger than each one of us individually and that's what i'm most proud of and the people that like afforded me those opportunities that's cool that that, that is really cool yeah that is something to be proud of you know i mean just in the sense of like you could i don't know just as you said, the FBM tattoo and stuff, but just getting these people together, getting a thousand people together. It's and crazy. Ha- it, that's, I mean, it, and it's, I'm so scream for involvement, right? Yeah. I think like you said, and, one and, thing you stood on was like FBM involved people. Well, I yeah. think like more so than like the product that we sold or the image that we sold, we sold something authentic. We didn't sell, we, we, we made something authentic that people could be a part of. And that was way more important than the flavor of the month. It was like, you know, they and people would show up at FBM events riding kinks or fits or cults or whatever, but it was still part of FBM, regardless of like who they were, how they rode, what they were doing. When they were at these events, they were part of FBM and what FBM was doing. Like, and it wasn't like me like being like on this throne of chaos and mayhem, being like, ha ha ha. It was like, come on, dudes, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was um, that's fucking cool. Yeah, it takes a, a special person to create and you know and inspire and and bring people together and in so many different ways and so over such a long period as you have so you should should be proud of that and i am and i'm stoked but i'm also like some of it i look back and i'm like i was doing that for myself like i needed to do this stuff to keep myself from feeling crazy or focusing on the bummers or like yeah it's like like i look at a lot of the stuff i've done over the years and it's like oh those, those are just notes to myself like get stoked, like have yeah. fun every day. Like, you know, like let's do all this, you know, build your own fun. I was like, I was trying to like keep myself stoked, but I had to create resonance within my community, whether I was realizing it or not to like, you know, an echo chamber of stoke. Yeah. Well, do you consider that to be a negative then? No, I think okay. I'm lucky that I had, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're at the gas station and you got no money for to, to put gas in the tank, but, you know, you can rely on your homies to like, yeah. you know, drum up a couple bucks. It was like, yeah, you call you know, somebody. Yeah. You know, it's like collectively, I, I understood that I could harness the energy of our group to like carry me through times where I needed help. You know, like is, is there ever a chance that FBM will be around in a brand in any capacity? I'm retired. <laughs> I mean, there's got. I mean, the outpour of like, if you if you released, if you did some re-release shirts of fucking, you could you could print a couple hundred, I would assume, and they would sell. I think to answer that question more fairly, 
FBM exists with or without me or a product. Mm-hmm. It exists within like the idea that people are going to go on trips with their friends. They're going to hype up, you know, their scene and like just do good, just try to do cool stuff with with like the means that they have available to them. And I think like that's like the more abstract answer. Yeah. As far as trying to do business, I'm not interested in doing that. Okay. Um, I think I'd gotten pretty burned out on consumerism and marketing and like trying to make ends meet with FBM that like I drop in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um I do want to do like an FBM It's a different world. It's it's, it's you know What what I same. what I need to do now is different than what I needed to do when FBM was a, a normal functioning business. But I I do want to do like an FBM family family reunion event at some point. That would be awesome. Where like it's not based around like Can you get Maniac to do a one-handed exo for Oh, absolutely. Thank if you. He, if he shows up it's on. Thank you. <laughs> but like what what my focus is now is just try to like recreate some of the energies and ideas and vibes yeah. regardless of trying to like pay the bills. Yeah. So I don't want to like complicate it by trying to like reissue an old product or team up with another. Yeah. You know. I mean, I almost think of it as in a sense of like. No rules though, just guidelines. Exactly. Like for me right yeah. now, I'm not interested in trying to do business that same way. Okay. But I'm still interested in trying to do cool stuff. Well, I mean, like the fucking shirts out of the back of the car type thing. Like where it goes full circle to the very beginning. And it's like, hey, we got this fucking stupid shirt. Do you want to buy it? Okay, I mean, if not, like whatever. <laughs> you know, like I got a, I got 80 bucks or 160 bucks. In I this. mean, towards the end, we were like literally like stencil spray painting shirts at events to like pay for gas. Yeah. yeah. So it had come full circle. And yeah. like to some degree that that'll always be there. Um, I don't have any plans or ideas to try to like reintroduce product okay. line but who knows what the future holds yeah. you know like well let's um did you start rad share as a idea of fbm like could you see the writing on the wall at fbm and it was part of me wanted to like stay involved in bmx mm-hmm. and i was looking for a way to do that but i think it came up a little bit more organically as like I'd gotten hurt pretty bad and I thought I broke my neck and I wasn't wearing a helmet and I started wearing a helmet mm-hmm. after that. And it was all in like the same like time frame. Trails. Yeah. yeah. I've got like this, all my fingers are still jacked. I like did a one-hander and didn't get it back on. Yikes. To pile drive myself, put a dent in the berm. It was fucking cool. Not fun. No, it sucked. <laughs> but um, that was when I was like going through this like thing of like, understanding the american dream and like my role and like i was feeling a little bit like a victim of my own dumb circumstances feeling sorry for myself what was me yeah yeah and i was like but um the local pump track in richmond where i ride a lot became like a situation where the community was coming together and it was like the city allowed it it was like cool so it was like a different vibe than like trails or backyard ramps or street riding so where it was like more inclusive and specifically what was the catalyst for rad share was this kid jonathan kept showing up from the neighborhood and it's like in a little bit of like you know there's like neighborhoods surrounding that that park that aren't like this is in richmond richmond virginia yeah, yeah. yeah. there's some like tough neighborhoods mm-hmm. so this kid jonathan's coming down and he's like got a janky bike and it's falling apart and it's like but he could ride and he's stoked and you could see that spark there and he's it's like, here, ride my bike, dude. And he's just able to jump stuff. He's just got it. You know, he's just got that. 
And then one day he just shows up with his bike, just dragging it to the spot. And I'm like, fuck, dude. So I went and bought a kink complete mm-hmm. and gave it to him. And I had been kind of brainstorming with this dude, Nate Hanger, that I would become riding buddies with. And in that moment, we'd kind of like created Radshear with the idea of, the idea was to help this kid, Jonathan, get a bike. He was going to be a BMXer one way or another. Mm-hmm. And we had the opportunity to like bridge that gap from like where he was and where he could go. And like, it wasn't like a business plan, just like FBM. It wasn't like we didn't have a business plan or like a marketing meeting or anything like that. It was like, here's like a need. We have like the means to try to do something. And I'd gotten so burned out on wanting to try to sell stuff that I really just wanted to sort of share my BMX experience with the world. I'd become so, I felt so lucky with what BMX had afforded me personally, even throughout like the ups and downs of FBM that I was like, if I can take some of my experience and like my connections in the BMX industry to like create even for one kid, the next opportunity to do a little bit better and to close that opportunity gap a little bit, then that's my responsibility. And that's like what we started doing with Radshare. And then like, it's called Radshare, the arts of fun. And it's like, you know, we get free helmets for kids and we try to get bikes for kids that can't, don't have the resources to get bikes. And like, it's been like wildly well received and fulfilling in a totally different context as a BMXer to be able to like do something that isn't self-serving. It's yeah. fucking cool, man. I got to experience a little bit of that when I was there. You were at the yeah. Rumble, yeah. Yeah, at the Rumble. And I, to to dig a little bit deep within myself to understand the situation of like um, not having a bike or can't afford one and to seeing a lot of kids that look like myself, you know, it's like seeing those kids, it was like, wow, that kid is small and they know how to ride this bike like this. I can imagine being that small riding something like this, but because of like, um, you showing up, you have the, the willing to share, you have the, the, the will to, um, just be there. You know, it's like all the things that you personally been through and a lot of the stuff that you've done was created based off of like your like you contributing you and what you love to do and what your friends love to do to bmx which kind of helped like nurture that situation to what it is and like to be in a fortunate enough situation even with all the woe is me it's like even when times are tough there's been a bmx bike there for me and because of that bmx bike i've had like this great community and like within that like with rad share it's like you know, Rob Tibbs, he's like a huge supporter of Radshare. He like donates office space to us at his business mm. so that we can like try to do more. And, you know, and then we work and like staying with the same ideas with FBM. We we have a, a community of people like John Lee's on the board, you know, the colonel and this dude Crescent and Nate Hanger. We all work together, pooling our resources and experiences together. And, you know, we work with people like Caleb Bolton and, you know, Craig, this one of the dudes that does cheap seats racing in Richmond, like we all work together to try to like, you know, like BMX is like very like, if you look at it, it's one way, but there's all these like underrepresented scenarios that like we can work together to like give kids an opportunity to see some of like what's awesome about BMX. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just as simple as like a free helmet and they got their own stickers to put on and it's not some, they have a place store. to put those stickers. Yeah, and and it's like, yeah. they're like, yeah, this is mine now. And they got some skin in the game. And like, you know, if we have an opportunity to give a kid a bike, it's like, that's like, a whole, like, bikes aren't cheap. 
I I never personally given I give away bike parts and stuff or whatever like um whenever I have them but like I got I was able to give away a bike at the time I was riding for GT and I want to say I think it was you on the mic and it was one kid that extremely talented and I gave him a bike you know I was like dude this is crazy but could you see it in his face like could you see the like the I don't know like you get that when you're giving somebody something you can see that elation like when we gave the the radio bike away well and well yeah to me in that moment made me realize that this isn't about me Mm -hmm. you know it was like it wasn't about who i am where i come from but like what i'm contributing right now but all the things that brought you to that moment and who you are like made that situation that much more awesome and like and you were able to take some of the magic that bmx has given you and pass it along to that next Mm -hmm. kid and that ripple effect just keeps going outward and yeah, like, because like you said, some of the, like even the situation with how animal like it's like a few of the things how they started like you guys didn't make that be that way. It just happened to be that you guys were around and that created that. But also with that situation and, and decisions I personally made to be any part of BMX, but like based off the things that you've done, you created that, and I got to be a part of it. So mm-hmm. it was like all that was like, and like very organic. And like for me, like I I done so much stuff that I was stoked on and proud of to be able to like see an opportunity to like share that with other people and like god that's cool man it's like this kid even if it's for one summer it's gonna have a better life you know like Mm -hmm. one jump one bike one helmet at a time if we can make people's lives a little bit better then the world can be a little bit better like i can't change the world personally but if i can change like one kid's life for like even like a weekend that's that's pretty big yeah like you know like and like BMX has a, it's like, when people think of like what a BMXer looks like, you know, like when you got to come to Richmond, like these kids got to see riders that look like them or the people in their community mm-hmm. that don't, don't look like TV stars the same way. Yeah. It like, that opens up a whole nother world of like, you know, possibilities for people, you know, like, and like, I'm lucky that I'm again in a community where people support what we do and enable us to be able to share the arts of fun and what's important about BMX. And, you know, like, we, you know, with drop-in, we, you know, we we do a rad share roast. And it's like every three bags we sell affords us one helmet to give away to a kid. You know, we sponsor Mulally Skate Park up in New York. We bring bikes up to them when we can. And we give out free helmets to all the kids there. And, like, brands like Shadow and Sunday and Kink and all these companies that we used to compete against for market share with FBM are now supporting what I'm doing or what we're doing to make BMX better and more accessible for more people. And it's crazy. Like people are so generous and so supportive that it's like, it's such a different like dynamic and like a whole other side. It's like a whole, it's like a whole, it's like, I've got a whole nother breadth of like, you know, I've had a second win like five times now Mm -hmm. and this is a whole new one. It's like, you know, and like people are like with us. It's not like, Oh, you know, like, there's no like yeah. it's authentic. Yeah. It's I think people want to prob- probably be people more are, involved in something people authentic. People are stoked because, you know, like they they love seeing people get stoked too mm-hmm. and they're not trying to compete for the same market share and it's like eliminating that from my life has been like wild. It's like you know, we always do events and you know, Nuno will be like, "Yeah, we'll send you guys some stuff or like the dudes from you know, this, you know, whatever, different brands." But now they're like, "Hey, what do you guys need?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, whatever you feel like sharing with us, we'll, we'll pass it along, you know, and like, you know, give a kid a set of cranks or a set of pedals or like even just a tube yeah, and like teach him how to fix his own bike, mm-hmm. him or her, you know, that's, 
really cool. Yeah, it, and, ele- it elevates their BMX experience, and instead of that bike breaking, etc., it it allows them to fix it and continue on instead of sitting in the closet because they don't have that support system to, and, and to like, teach them how to do that. And if you don't have access to like good equipment, it's going to diminish your experience mm-hmm. with BMX, which is something we always thought of with FBM. It's like give a good product to the people. They're going to be stoked. They're going to enjoy it. And I'd meet dudes on tour. They'd be like, I've had this bike since 2009. I was like, cool. Wish you'd bought three more since then. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but like kids like show up on a pump track at the pump track or the skate park dragging their bike in they're not going to stay bmxers no but if we have an opportunity to help them become bmxers and like they develop their own scenarios like some of the kids that we started helping out with ratchet are buying their own bikes now yeah wow you know and they're like some of them are on bmx racing teams and like going to like state and national races that's amazing wow like that's cool it is what what are your ultimate guide? I don't want to say the word goals. So ultimate guidelines for RadShare is it is it kind of? I just I don't I don't know. You know, like we want to just try to help people to you know enjoy Find their lives. Love, yeah. yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be BMX. It's like we want to like we want to keep you know expanding on what we're able to do to help people, but we don't have like a specific trajectory. Like one of the things we're doing when I get home is working with this dude, Tyler, who works at the high school where some of these kids go to school and we've got a bunch of Sunday bikes and we got a bunch of helmets and we're going to develop an after school program. Mm. So like that's one of our, our goals, but to work with like community centers and like skate parks that have underrepresented people, like give help, give them a voice and give them a vehicle. Like to me, like a BMX bike, ultimately it's just like the most empowering thing that an individual can get. And if you can empower yourself through BMX or like from learning, like whether whether it's riding BMX or becoming a photographer or building ramps, like that empowerment goes so so much further than like just learning tricks on a bike. So that's like our goal really is to try to like just to try to make the world better, you know, one jump, one bike at a time, you know. And, yeah. and it's pretty fluid in how we're going to go about doing that, but just trying to like look at the BMX landscape, see where we can help and just try to like pitch in when we can. What? <laughs> All right. Talking about, um, rumble in Richmond and Julia Molina. Whew. So <laughs> how did it make you feel being that something that you helped create can bring so many different types of people from all over the world and to experience what, we all saw him do to and to put a a more important level i saw multiple people say that that was the best thing that they saw all year so there's a few moments in bmx history that's one of them right there yeah that picture of vic murphy there's the picture of matt hoffman on the old quarter pipe in oklahoma and then the julian moment those were all in like the same ballpark for me so like to watch that Julian scenario unfold and to see his magic as a BMXer, like just in, just like inspire so many people in that moment, and to have been like lucky enough to have been a part of that moment, it was like heavy, man. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, like it took a minute, like to like even understand like what was going on. Like, like afterwards, I was like, that might have been one of the coolest things that I was ever like I helped facilitate. Yeah, like I obviously didn't ride the bike. You know, but I built that jump, you know, me and my mm-hmm. friends built that jump and we put on the event and we got all you guys there to create such an inclusive and fun environment for some. My mom was at that event, wow. like 
for 20 some odd years, I've been doing events. I've never had my family at an event. My mom came out like my friends, kids were there. Like, you know, people from my whole history as a BMXer were there, like all levels, all skills, like men, women, children, everything, you know, like every different type of person. And then that moment was like 11. 11. <laughs> that moment was like the boiling point of all this really cool stuff in my life, like funneling into one moment. And Julian was like the dude. And like I was I was on a high. I'm still like I was sitting yeah. I was sitting in a tent with him because we were like just sitting over there. It's like I think they were still riding the trails, the the dirt jumps in the back on the other side and when everybody came over. Uh, he was he was literally sitting across from me and he was talking. He's like, "I want to jump it," and he was shaking. Like I can tell he, but he he ride he ride dirt jumps yeah. all the time, and yeah. this is a dirt jump. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you know. Then he got up, started pedaling around the track, and next thing you know, you see Larry like towing him in. And it's like, what, what a crazy what a crazy concept it is to be like. I can for Larry to be like, I can go fast enough. I thought to that make was you such, jump this jump. I thought that was such a amazing illustration of what bmx means to me like those two like he basically cleared it with larry towing him in which is insane one of the most like amazing feats in in bmx that i've ever witnessed yeah and then i'm kind of just joking i'm like i've got the mic i'm like anyone i don't think he's got no speed anyone got a motorcycle yeah yeah, (laughs) and gary the track director he's like i was like is that cool i was like you know i didn't even think about it i just saying it talking shit again yeah and uh gary's like yeah i don't care and my buddy Matt, he's like, oh, I've got a motorcycle, you know, like, and he, I think he expected me to be like, no, no, no. I was like, all right, cool. And he's like, wait, how fast do I go? I was like, third gear, like quarter throttle. And then I was like, no, 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 no. Second gear, half, two thirds throttle. <laughs> you have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> but I did have an idea because we created We did a thing where our friend Mikey jumped the bus uh-huh. and flipped it. And um, oh, yeah. he was towed in by our buddy Brett on an old DT-175 that had no speedometer. Mm-hmm. So when they figured out the speed, it was second gear, like, half cracked. Oh. So I was, like, I was drawing on that memory, but it was completely irrelevant to the yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the first one, like, it was close, and then, like, they figured it out, and then the second one, he cleared it. I think it was the second time. And it was I had dumb luck that I said second gear, like, half cracked, you know? Yeah, like You went so high. It was, like... He oh, he's really still hard. holding on to the bike. Yeah. And then that was it. Like he, I think he wanted to go again and try something over it. But I was like, you cleared it. That's it. The contest is over. Yeah. The whole place is just like, whoa. Yeah, there's no. It was like a hallelujah yeah. moment. Yeah. Like That was like. It, it made it better that he was like nosing in. And you're like, dude, he, he's going to happen. Oh, it gave like, me chills just thinking about like. It yeah. was it was uh, like a scripted moment. Like yeah. that could have been a movie. Yeah. And it was like a cool movie. Yeah. It wasn't like a shitty BMX movie. That was rad. Yeah. <laughs> Like, um, um, so to your question, that was one of my favorite moments in my participation in life as a BMXer. That's, wow. that's powerful. Wow. Yeah. And like, I hold, I hold that image of him getting towed in, like right up there with that and the Hoffman picture. That's cool. There's, there's gotta be some, something to be said for the, you know, the path you've taken from, you know, the, the Fab Old Men, Five Year Mayhem, the Albert Street light bulbs facilitating that and then it's like soup gang <laughs> tour bus giving kids bikes like or something like but i think there's like a like I a think ra- like something... a rain like a fucked up rainbow yeah you know like <laughs> some sort of thing i think there's something in Get there locked that's... up in georgia <laughs> yeah exactly there's something in there that, that that strings it all together exactly and it's, and it's like 
And I, I always go back to that word community. I think that like being a part of a community is the constant in all that, mm-hmm. whether it was like, you know, wild or outrageous or like caring and sharing. Is it, is it, is it wrong to say like, uh, that you're like a leader in the community? Like I, because I feel like, I feel like you keep saying, you keep saying community, but there's also like a spark or a person that I think that that, that forces think, things to happen, and I feel like you're always that force. I'm a hype man. I'm like a ringleader. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A ringleader I hate, maybe is a, leader I, is a weird. Word. I know. I know. I know. Ring. I hesitate to use the word leader, but I definitely know that like, like a beacon or something. You know, yeah. like like because I feel like you're I a hype, you're a hype man but you're you're getting people fired up to create something. I think I think there was like a time I remember we, nobody's going to get out there and do it for you mm-hmm. and I think I've kind of in one way or another always understood that. So I've always felt comfortable saying hey let's do this. Mm-hmm. But it was never like I'm going to do this or this is me and if I and and so I've, so I've always said we and like when I've referred to FBM days I always said we were doing this. So it's not like I'm doing this yeah. or so like I think I've always been comfortable in being like all right we we could do this and I and I like I hesitate to use the word leader but I would definitely say like I'm I'm down to get the party started. Yeah, I have this like vision of like everybody standing around looking at something and then you just like are the first person to step out and like start start <laughs> yeah. doing the thing and everybody's like all right let's go yeah. but it's like you know but mm-hmm. like my people inspired that and taught me that you know yeah. like like i learned that from kelly and like i learned that from tag and i learned that from gilly and i learned that from the people that i'm around nowadays like everybody's doing that on some level where i'm at i think that because of the the time span and my status within bmx kind of like sometimes I get too much credit for what, what we've done. And sometimes that creates a little friction, but because I have a voice and I try to use it for something that's positive and like involves everybody, I think that's, it's easy for me to pick up a little momentum and be like, like, all right, let's do it. And people are like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, BMX needs people like you, more people like you, but we definitely need you specifically. Mm-hmm. You're, you guys are lucky to have me. Well, if we <laughs> are, man. Yeah, Look, we think are. If, if if we remove if we removed you, think of how many uh, moments and things and and you know elements of BMX we would have missed out on from the videos, from the shirts, from the from the products. Yes, but like also the events and the people that you you helped to bring along all across the country. And and you stuff, know, I, th- I think like, we also mm-hmm. did a pretty good job with FBM. And like, I don't dole out compliments on this podcast keep them coming, very, keep very, them very coming. often. Yeah, they, like, I, I'm not a I'm not a compliment. Keep them coming. I like but, it. I'm pretty. I'm but, beautiful. I'm yeah. important. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you, you deserve you deserve compliments, man. Like you, you, you don't sh- do you stretch or anything? Stretch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever do this one? Do this. Pat myself on the back. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. I See, got that's you. another one. Wow. You already knew I like it, your man. style. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I'll take that. You know, like I, I, I'm. It's all like none of this is unintentional, but it's also not planned. Yeah. So it's like we tried hard to to make shit happen, and like it's. But once you get the momentum going and you have the people like there to like help you make it happen, yeah. it just kind of like becomes natural, you know. It's like yeah. like everything you do, you got to drop in to start the day, you know. Like, plug, plug, plug. <laughs> but um, I'll put a buy now, buy now graphic. <laughs> Maybe Tom will. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tom's the editor. Sorry. Hey, Tom. Make you look good. <laughs> um, he is locked up over there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate that. I think, um, but it's just trying to carry the momentum forward. You know, it's like, like I look back at like some of my least stoked times and it's like because I was sitting still, I wasn't like, I was resting on my laurels. I was like, you know, it's like, oh, we got it. You know, yeah. it's like, you can't coast. You always got to be hustling. You always got to be putting in the work, you know, like whether it's riding art, digging on the jumps, you know, working on events, just like you always have to be putting energy forward. Otherwise, you know, seize yeah. up. Does how much of your, your day is consumed by, you know, rad share and drop in? Like what's the, what's the ratio of, um, of stuff? Rad share is more project based based right now so like the day-to-day stuff depends on if we're doing an event or a promotion or if i'm like it's not it's not a full-time gig do you guys i don't know if this is a a weird question or not but is there like are you at the level where like a corporation is like hey we have money at the end of the year that we want to donate or are you looking for that vans has been very generous with supporting rad share that's cool and um getting their riders involved and also financial support for helping put on events and create situations. Um, Because the money you give away at rumble and Richmond doesn't just magically appear from, no, we do. That's all from like, you give away. No, that's all from fundraising. Like, and like the guys from breakless have been very generous. They've been, you know, they gave money to give out for best trick at the rumble. Like, you know, vans obviously supporting what we do. Like, from a promotional point of view, but also like, you know, they're like, Hey, we'll help you guys do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, like I got to say thanks to vans for supporting, you know, helping us get events going and helping us get, bring riders out to our events. 12. 12. <laughs> um, so yeah, like we have, we've gained a lot of traction, but it's still very grassroots and small and like, it's not a full-time gig yet, yeah. but it's, it's aiming that way. That'd be, I mean, that'd be amazing if it became like a, and a, like a constant thing because that would be, I mean, it's just better all around. And we're, we're, we're like learning and trying to figure out like grant writing scenarios where we can get more resources to try to like, you know, like, like one of the, the holdups with the after school program is like, how do we get the kids and the bikes from the school to like the BMX track? Yeah. And it's like, that's, there's a lot of liability in there. You can't just be like, all right, hop in the van. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> you can't do what I've been doing the last 20 years. <laughs> it's like, these are, these are young adults, like candy, candy trail. Yeah. yeah. No, that's weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, drop in is also, it's a very modest, both, both situations are still like all volunteer style. Yeah. And like going back to Tibbs, like Tibbs has been very generous with giving us a space to help develop these ideas and his screen printing business. He does right? large format printing. It's called okay. cut and bleed. But he like does a lot of stickers for BMX companies and like okay. like poor boy Steve like I'll go oh, yeah. I'll go back and see Rob and he'll be printing off a batch of stuff for that or you should, know I should have him print stickers for us and or like yeah you should okay. and like I've seen him making stuff for Hoffman bikes or Powers Bike Shop or you know stuff for us he makes all the coffee labels for us oh and, like, okay the rad share stickers and like the banners that we do okay but he like he does like large format printing it's like but he's one of those dudes behind the scenes that's like doesn't get enough credit and like. He makes Richmond's got a really vibrant and diverse and really cool BMX scene, and people like Rob make it rad. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of key players behind the scenes that are like just working class, like regular dudes that are like 
either wildly talented or committed or dedicated to like the scene, but not for like applause. It's just mm. what they do. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, it's like a way of being. You know, like there's yeah. like these guys that have a tra- set of trails called surfing billies and like Bert and all these dudes make jumps, but the city allows it and they bring them dirt and they make jumps for everybody to come ride. And this dude, Kit, works for the parks department. So he helped advocate for trails to be like shared space in Richmond. So like all these things are like local heroes. It's really yeah, cool. No. And like all this good energy, like makes it, it just makes it better for everybody. And it's like, I think that's kind of why, like I ended up in Richmond was because this kind of stuff was happening and it like helped me rediscover some of those sparks from the original FBM crew that like made it seem like anything was possible. Yeah. And over the years, you know, you get clouded by like life changing and like day to day stuff. But Richmond's got a lot of that good energy that helps me, like, see the potential in situations. Wow. And that's pretty awesome. Like, it's, it seems like Richmond is a is a pretty progressive, like, cool area from what I can tell. It's it's crazy. I mean, it, Richmond itself is, like, a, a wild history, you know? It was, like, real yeah, big. Pulling, do- down, pulling down those statues and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, like, during, like, the George Floyd era, like, Richmond was, like, a very volatile, like, like you know, the studio that I, you know, at Tibbs's place, I'd be riding my bike to, I would pass the Lee Monument where like a lot of these social scenarios were boiling pot situations. Like, you know, it That's, was heavy. It was on the cover of National Geographic. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, I'm seeing this stuff firsthand with my own eyes. And like, all this comes into play with how I view my role in BMX nowadays. And like, to be in Richmond, such a like diverse and unique city like i think it helps enable me to do things a little differently from how i'd done them or how i would do them mm-hmm. and i think that felt very like um I've, I've been to a few different places and that besides san diego is the only other place i've ever been to that i can see myself living oh really I, like and it's and to me it's like it's similar to where i'm from but completely different you yeah. know and it's like i don't ever want to live back home but like going to richmond and meeting other people seeing how everybody communicated uh, from just pedaling around the city, I did me, Julian, and I want to say Brad pedaled around for a while. And it was just like, this place is pretty sick. You yeah. know, people see you, they wave, they say hi. You know, it, it makes cool you feel welcome. City. Yeah, it is. But it's all, it's a, it's a small, big city, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's, I mean, it's the capital of the Confederacy. Like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, you know, it's a southern city. So, like, yep. It's got a lot of different, like, there's a, there's a lot of ingredients in that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a great place for like going to and from. Also, it's centrally located, and like I want to go. <laughs> Come on out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a session. Um, kind of lost where I was going with stuff. Uh, let's. We can party. We can keep no, it going. Drop it and let's talk about artwork. Art, artwork. I like it. A constant. I've always had um, a lot of restless energy and some kind of creative need to express myself, mm-hmm. and. Um, FBM has always been a vehicle for that. And then nowadays with drop-in, um, I'd always kind of like doodled coffee graphics for some mm-hmm. reason. I don't really know why. So like that's been like the next step for me was to like create a scenario that's like, I guess, a small business where art and my interests all kind of like meet. And that's like my my latest venture. That's Dream cool. collabs. What's up? Have any collaborations on Click? Unclicked, drop in, coming soon. Sorry, Traction. <laughs> we just hijacked your party. <laughs> um, we did a cool thing where we did a 
a full roast thing with Paris Benegas. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. used the money from those sales to buy a bike that she gave to a young woman. Oh, wow. At, like, was it at the Rumble in Richmond or no? That was a different situation. We mm-hmm. gave her one of her, we gave one of her frames, she gave one of her frames to a young woman rider from Columbia, I think. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then we did another event called the Pump Track Worlds, mm-hmm. like a tongue in cheek event. Where she gave a complete bike to, uh, like I think a nine or ten year old girl named Lorna, and so we we we're trying so drop in we kind of run tandem with Radshare so use these situations to do something a little bit more than just sell stuff, and uh, so yeah we do we're starting to do some collabs and we do a couple things like we do a coffee with Circuit BMX we did a thing with uh, Vans for like a holiday giveaway for their team riders. Mm. Where like I got to do the artwork and and provide the coffee for them, for like a little holiday kit that they did, so like, it opens up a whole different world because it's not like competing brands. There's like, there's BMXers that make coffee, but it's not like, frame brands or like a shoe company or like a component brand. It's like, it's kind of like, exists within its own category. It's not a conflict of interest. So, mm-hmm. it opens up a whole new world and like, like going back to, being on tour with FBM. You know, I'd be always going through these scenarios in my head of like, how are we going to keep the doors open? Like, what can we do to like move forward? And I was at the coffee shop and I was thinking about those dudes that have had bikes that they've been riding that they're so stoked on for 10 years. And I'm like, God, they've got these expensive, really cool hand-built bikes, but they're not, they don't need to replace them. So why would they? And I'm on my second $5 coffee. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a sec. Like maybe Uh, there's a different way to think about things. And that kind of was like, part of a new way to think about like how I was going to express myself and try to like, there's a trillion dollar industry, right? I have no idea. Something if coffee's like one of the biggest. I'm, I'm so, I'm so new to the coffee game too, that it's like being a young BMXer again. We're like, once you're in the industry and like on the other side of it, it's like, you understand that the ceiling is not infinite, that yeah. there's not like endless sales. It's like, but with coffee, like I don't know anything about it. It's yeah. like, far as like anything's possible again yeah and that's like it's so cool to be like with rad chair and drop in to be not burned out not jaded not be able to see a ceiling like there's no mm. ceiling for how much you can share yeah like wow. i can't give the whole world a bike but i can try yeah <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. like um circling back to kind of the more the kind of the hustling aspect of the artwork um, you said you were, you're like, yeah, I brought my stuff. I'm hustling for hustling for gas. I mean, you know, like I sold enough paintings before I left to cover gas money to get here. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough that people want to support what I'm a part of mm-hmm. that I've gotten through like the last couple of years, like in part with selling artwork on Instagram and like, you know, that's, that's huge. That's big deal. Yeah, like, that's huge. And it's modest. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like I'm not selling paintings for a thousand dollars. Yeah. I'm trying to. People like what I've done, and I try to share as much as I can for, you know, an affordable but fair price, you know. But, you know, I do these things called gas money prints or gas money paintings where it's just like I sell art for the cost of a gas tank. Yeah. You know, yeah. tank of gas. Granted, yeah. that's different in California because it's a dollar more a gallon <laughs> yeah. out here. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like... You know, it's like I want to do art anyhow. Well, there, there's like reoccurring themes. Obviously, the 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 brick and the board, the coffee. I think you've had you know the soup. There was the X's on the beer for a while and stuff like that. Like, is there? I think 
every, I just kind of have my gimmicks. Yeah. It's like, you know, like you go to, an, if you're a contest rider, you've got your tricks. Yeah. Kind of got my. <laughs> so these are my, like, people like the brick and board. They identify with it. It's yeah. like, you know, I got it tattooed on me when I was 26 years old. And it became an FBM graphic soon after. It's funny you point you pointed there, and I thought of the chain. The chain is was on this side. Yeah. Did so, you ever see? Did you ever see his chain bracelet? No. So just, oh, oh, me and Tag and Gilly put on bike chains as bracelets when we were like fourteen, and we put them on like with the chain tool. So the only time they ever came off was when we went to jail or like to the hospital, and mine was only off two or three times in the course of like twenty five years. And it had worn down. I have it at home. I could probably send you a picture of it. It had worn down so much on the inside that it like took that shape right there, which is it had lost its it like almost wore through to the pins from being on wow. for so many years. And when tag right. passed, I finally took the chain off and I got the the tattoo as like a you know memorial, you know in mm-hmm. the in memory of Mike Tag. Yeah, it's great. It, it was striking to see. It almost looked like it. it had been machined down to be smooth on the inside. Yeah, but so it was like actually it's almost just... like if you set on the same metal spot for a while, it creates like a yeah. So yeah. The, like the inside of the chain, the outside of the chain was the same shape as a normal chain. The inside was almost flat from twenty some odd years of wearing it, and That's that right. was like it was kind of like a symbol of like our dedication to like yeah. our friendship and what we were doing, and like we just never. It was like it wasn't something we like gave much thought afterwards, but it was weird taking it off. It was like. I'm naked. Yeah, I can wow. feel pretty weird. How uh, how did they take it off at jail? I forget. I think they just popped it <laughs> off. This is like, granted, I haven't done the jail stuff in like 20-some odd years. I just but, remember, I could just imagine them just being like, we don't have say, a fucking they, chain breaker. They're like, the... you got to take that off. I was like, I can't. And yeah. like, they broke it off, I forget. Oh, like, yeah. There was like a popped link at that point. Oh, okay. But um, it, I remember it being like a curious situation. <laughs> But I'm not proud of the jail moments. Yeah. I've never done prison time. That's but good. I've been in jail a few times. Yeah. That's and I right. don't recommend it. They got the wrong kind of bars in there. I feel I feel like there's I I said this to my uh my wife and she thought it was stupid, but I was like, I feel like as like a, a rite of passage for like being a man, it's like you gotta at least like get your ass kicked once. You know, like beat somebody up, get your ass kicked, go I mean, to, you know, I get mean, I don't disagree with you. I, do, I hate being on the I hate like, being on the wrong yeah, side yeah, of it. Yeah. But it's like yeah. But it's like it's kind of how it's you. It's a humbling experience. It is. You know. It like, is. It, I, yeah. I think rite of passage is the exact right terminology. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a hundred percent point. But I don't say it's necessary. No. I don't think you should go out seeking any time behind <laughs> bars or getting your ass whipped. But I think it's crucial for the development of like understanding as a BMXer. You, you have to run from the police from a spot. You have to yeah. like mm-hmm. run from some rednecks that are chasing you down. You. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you have to wake up in the drunk tank with like a single serving box of Cheerios as a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Not your own shoe. Or Those they experiences, take shoes? man. No shoes that no. time. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny, man. Um, let's see. Let's hit the old. Uh, I feel like we've. My favorite riders are the fast and loose guys, the creeps dudes, they Trey are. Jones, and what his crew are doing at events. And like most recently, I've been really hyped on Brad Sims mm-hmm. and seeing what he's been uh-huh. been able to do as a 36 year old grown ass man on a BMX yeah. bike. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, when was the last time you blew fire? It's on there. Shit. Beats me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, Are we doing reader questions? No, this is this is just I just had some notes. Uh, Pretty much, we're pretty much. I I knew this was gonna happen that we just cover everything anyways. Or like I said, organic. How am I doing? You're doing doing great. I do this thing like if it's nearing the end, I always I try to like kind of dig a little bit deeper in a sense. I mean, ask me uh, anything. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed. But no, no, like just dig a little bit deeper about like trying to make make things a little bit more relatable because you're you're a very relatable guy but also words of encouragement like this this has to have nothing to do with bmx or it, it could be anything whatever you think of that you know what keeps you going on a day-to-day you know i, I sometimes so what i I've, i find myself doing like as i get older i kind of take inventory of like what i've been able to do as a bmxer and i think that helps me like come up with like some of these answers but it's like i'm a regular ass dude you know, working poor background, like didn't grow up with a lot of like resources, like, and I've managed to like get a tattoo from Matt Hoffman, have a character in a video game, be in a movie, like stand on the deck with like the best writers in the world, like be interviewed on Unclicked. Like I had a picture in a magazine. I had the cover of Chase magazine once, like all this stuff, like, you know, we've made like 10,000 frames at the FBM warehouse. And like, yeah. so that all these people that were, you know, riding bikes that I had a, you know, a small part in sharing with the world and now moving on to like rad share and drop in and like being, you know, a 40 something year old BMXer. It's like, I'm like overwhelmed by like all these like (laughs) overwhelmed by all these like opportunities that have been afforded to me. And like, it keeps coming back to community, like tenacity and just like being genuinely like enthusiastic and caring about what I'm doing enough to like stay committed, like, try not to get so discouraged that I give up. And it's like, it, it's like putting yourself around the right people, paying attention to and giving credence to the people that support you. Mm-hmm. And like acknowledging like all these like great opportunities and like being thankful and like, like being appreciative of like all the stuff that I've been like lucky enough to be a part of, like creates more fuel to me, keep doing stuff. Wow. And like, it's so easy to be like, Oh man, like I got to do this thing, but this didn't happen. Or I could choose to be like, man, didn't work out how I hoped, but goddamn, this is cool. It's a hell of a fucking ride. You know, like, and like, I can't look at any of my time in BMX and not be so like, like just overwhelmed and proud and like happy about it all. Like, you know, I've had some of the worst injuries, the dumbest luck. Like I've had some really tough situations that I've like, you know, managed to get through. But I did all that because I was a BMXer and like BMX taught me so much about like, you know, like the DIY aspects of life, it's like nobody's going to do it for you. So, like, you got to fucking pick yourself up by the, you know, pick your shit up off the ground and go. Like, no. keep going, keep it moving. And, like, no matter what it is, whether it's, like, if you want to be a pro rider or if you want to start a company or, like, you want to do art or whatever it is, it's, like, being dedicated to what you're doing and caring enough to keep at it. Like, we never made one big impact with FBM or a Steve Crandall thing where it was, like, one thing that happened. But the compound of all these things happening over the years added value to what we did and made it seem, like... Mythical. I don't say mythical, but it was, like, people paid attention to what we were doing because we'd always been a part of what we were that, doing. Because yeah, be, yeah. I think I think from the outside, it's, like, it's like we are like, oh, this fucking... Oh, that's cool, but like they there's this fucking contest back in the day. It was this fucking parking lot. It was literally but, made out of fucking trash and they made <laughs> a loop. You know, like it's mythical when you think of 
people's telling somebody well, else of like we, how we, it was. We have, and uh, this all folklore is important. Yeah, it's how we pass along the culture of what we're doing. Like we've, I've been in a very unique position to pass along the folklore and the culture of BMX to next generations, and that's another one of like the things that I would say is my legacy. But like, because we kept doing stuff, everything that we had continued to do was that much more noticeable or valuable to the people watching. Mm -hmm. So like, had we only done one of the thousands of things that we did, they'd have been like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. But because we're doing that, all this stuff stacked on top, it starts to elevate Mm -hmm. in its like perception. Yeah. And like, you know, like we did a great job of like, you know, sharing our version of the culture of BMX with the world and people are fucking hyped on that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, uh, I got, I think, two more things, and, and maybe something else will pop up. But uh, you had apparently you have a book or something, but I, I didn't know anything about that actually for some reason. Uh, yeah, dude, sick. He wasn't, po- wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, sick. The, the podcast that Casey that was does. cool, right? Yeah, and the, it's he did that segment. Uh, I recommend everybody listen to that podcast as well as super different from what we do Mm -hmm. um but i wish he did it more often as always but uh the places i've slept he basically read a segment from a book that so i I did a book it was a split book with matt copeland okay where they were upside down from each other Mm -hmm. and they read to the middle Hmm. and um me and matt spent a lot of time traveling together and he'd put out a couple books so we collaborated on that was my first book project, and it was basically a collection of travel essays. And one of them was called Places I've Slept, and it was a list of all the places I could remember that were, like, not typical sleeping scenarios, yeah. and that was part of the book. And, it, you know, K, uh, Casey obviously runs through them, and, and there's obviously some interesting ones. And as for me, somebody who is fairly well-traveled and has a fair share of memories, I was listening to it, and I was like fuck i haven't done nothing you know like (laughs) literally it was like it was just like and that's to me that's like the uh what you get to take in the end you know like i think when you're fucking old and crusty and you go oh you little shit i've already slept here you know like whatever you say but like that is like but i think that also speaks as to what we were able to accomplish was had a lot to do with how far we were willing to go to like get, get to the spot you know yeah. get to the contest get to the event do the trip it's like some people like some bmx people have never done anything that didn't consist of a tour van and hotel rooms yeah like we're like yeah i'll sleep in an abandoned boat or under an 18 wheeler or yeah you know like yeah. whatever you know like any by any means necessary was part like of the game. I feel like throughout this podcast, you've said every single slogan at FBM, and it's like so. But that's like, it, but that's like. It I, I know that sounds like I'm full of shit, but that's but just, like the hard were... way, the DIY, you know, like. It, but it's, but that's real. Like it, it's but funny I mean, that it comes up that's steadfast. How, that's and, how it happens, though. Yeah. Like all these ideas were like inspired by our lives, yeah. and like, like I said, there was no marketing meetings. Like we would have meetings, like, hey, what's the best way to do this? Yeah. But like, you know, like some people like create brands and marketing ideas out of thin air and it was vice versa for us yeah and i think that's it's a the fact that it is it comes out in normal conversation is it's like it is a reflection of how much of it's a reflection of your life and 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 what's happened i mean i I would like to say that like we genuinely lived the message that we portrayed 
Like there was no bullshit about it. There was yeah. times when we were bullshitting. Of course. But yeah. like, I don't think like, I mean, anyone that knows us would say, you know, like that's really what happened. I've been, I've been on an FBM trip. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> it literally, we just camped the entire fucking time. Steve probably got mad at us once or twice. <laughs> and it was like, we made fucking, uh, Maniac made a fucking swath. How cool is that though? Like that was another we example. We went to the Goonies thing. That like fucking, cool. you know, like really? it was fucking cool, man. But like, like it, it, And I think like, it was one part economics, but one part by design. It's like, if you're sitting around the campfire and we're all making food together and drinking beers and, you know, telling tall tales and all that stuff, we're recounting the day. But if you're in a tour bus and everyone scatters to Taco Bell and Wendy's and goes to their hotel room and looks at their phone the whole time, you're traveling alongside people. Whereas like we were traveling together as like a group, as a team, as a unit. Mm -hmm. So everything we were doing was shared. Like the food was shared. The time was shared. Our beers were shared. You know, our bike parts were shared. Like, and that Mm. to me enriched the whole experience. It just made it that much more important. And like, you know, we're sitting there like recounting all the good times at the end of the day, which makes you appreciate like what you're a part of that much more in my experiences. And wow. you and you tend your I think your memory tends to bank the uncomfortable moments a little bit more than the than the than well, the comfortable ones. You you don't remember how good the remember. bedroom was or yeah. the bed was at the no hotel. One's gonna you remember be like, the oh, shitty one where you had a root. You'll in your remember bed. the fucked up Motel Six in West Memphis. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna remember like the nice Hyatt that was like mm-hmm. the third night in you know wherever some yeah some nameless faceless like experience. But every tough weird obscure like nonsensical situation it's like and my life's been filled with those yeah. and that's pretty fucking funny man. yeah it's like you get the dichotomy of that you know or it's like i've been on gatorade trips where they had a bloody mary where they fucking peeled the tomato and then or froze it and then peeled the tomato and that was the ice cube that's crazy in, it, in the hotel I, in I, japan and it was like and then i've been on a fucking fbm trip where but, it was like and, and i've been on shittier trips and fbm trips <laughs> you <Good> know <laughs> so. but like i've also been lucky enough to experience like through like the whole props road fools years like experience that version of bmx and then you know being invited to participate with the vans pro cup series mm-hmm. like i get to go to stay in nice places yeah like i'm in yeah. a hotel in malaga having coffee with ruben alicantara and joe rich and colin mckay and it's like you know, three months earlier, I was driving a black school bus, you know, yeah. you know, on some back road going to some weird, you know, DIY spot. So it's like, it's pretty crazy to be on like, to experience like all aspects of it. But I think that also helps me have like a better understanding yeah. of like what all goes into all this. And mm-hmm. like, you know, like, and the people that do make stuff happen, like, I really appreciate it. Like you with the podcast, you guys with this podcast, like, you know, Trey with his event, you know. Like all the riders in their scenes making something happen, like doing doing it, like I get to appreciate it that much more because I know what goes in from so many different angles of like how hard it is to keep BMX, you know, vibrant and like shared and like, yeah, you know, for yeah. the people. But it's funny because I, I, I the I don't think you could see it, but the Hoffman poster. When I put it up last night, I, I obviously read it when I first got it, but I it, like. It, Hoffman wrote on it like thanks for all you've given how cool is that it's amazing how cool is it for the dude that's given the most of his body and his soul and spirit to bmx to be able to recognize that you too have given something awesome to bmx and then like to be like god damn dude that's humbling and yeah and that dude like it it, it struck me a little bit when i put it up i was like 
And I think like, I'm sure well, I had the same yeah. reaction when I got it like seven months ago or a year ago or like, whatever it is. But it there's like, so much that happens within people's lives as BMXers that it's it's things can go unnoticed. But like, just take Hoffman for example. Like, what a he's like. He's made all this, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he yeah. made all this possible. Yeah. There's some few, there's some key players that paved the road for all of us. Hoffman, I feel like, stands at like with like a torch at the top of that road. Like, yeah, yeah. And he's like giving the torch like to everybody. He's yeah. just passing along. It's torches. all his flame. It's like, yeah. I mean, he's the dude, man. Like, yeah. I mean, it was like, I remember one day I woke up and I look at Instagram and it was ten in the morning and he'd already posted a clip of himself riding. Listening to Gene's Addiction of all things, doing a no-handed 540, and it was probably you know, and it was, you know, this is like ten o'clock in the morning Eastern Standard Time, so he'd probably done that at eight in Oklahoma. Yeah, like he woke up, rode vert by himself, managed to post a, a video of it, no-handed 540. Like, what is there like a dozen people that can do that trick? Yeah, yeah, three maybe three over forty. Yeah, two on a vert ramp. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, right. and he's still doing it, and like. For, with it by himself with the cell phone at the bottom ramp in case he falls. Yeah, and it's yeah. like wow. <laughs> talk about like being committed to all the above. Yeah. Like you know, he's the most famous, the most celebrated, like one of the you know, the biggest name in BMX, but would be doing all that regardless, in my opinion. Like, yes. He's still out there riding mm-hmm. when he's like not hurt. Yeah. And he's also like the most he's given so much of his body to his art. Yeah. And that's that's inspiring to me. Like People like Matt, I owe endless, like, gratitude towards for, like, inspiring me. And, like, it's like, you know, some people, like, you know, even, like, someone like Rick Thorne, who has never been, like, the biggest name as a professional rider. Like, and he's, you know, Wax and Wayne is, like, being a weirdo in BMX. And I love I love Rick. Don't get me wrong. So inspired by the fact that he's, every obstacle that's been put in front of him, he still rides. He still loves it. Yeah. He's still getting people yeah. hyped. Wilkerson, the same way, like things probably didn't always work out for Wilkerson. Always the coolest dude, still trying to get it, like always ripping. Like there's these people that have been on, you know, both sides of the wave. And they're just when when you see like on the backside of it, they're still there getting it and doing it. Now I'm that dude. I'm on the backside of the wave and I'm fucking pumped. And it's because of these inspiring people like inspiration on all sides in BMX. It's so cool. like It's so mm-hmm. unique. Like you're not going to work at like some middle management like corporate America gig and be like, man, that guy's awesome at that com- computer job right there. You know? yeah, like, yeah. Not to take anything away from anyone else, but like I find inspiration in so many different angles of BMX and like thanks to Hoffman and like all these dudes that like were just pioneers of like, and it's like their version of the DIY aspects of BMX. Like nobody gave these dudes permission to do any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they all were just like, we're doing it. Yeah, and like yeah. that attitude has just been like, you know, spread Spreads, out, yeah. and it's like and that touches. that ripple effect, and like each person takes their own version of BMX and creates their own ripple effects, and then, you know, there's just some random kid in some like nowhere town that's like stoked, and he's getting it. Speaking of speaking of kid in nowhere town, I don't know if it's actually a nowhere town. You see that kid, uh, Kieran pulled a fucking triple flare. Oh my god, that was wild. That was a triple backflip turn flare like a real flare yeah it was nuts. unreal did you see it no i don't even know how to, i can't even he imagine. literally he did it to fucking... three backflips and then turn yeah like how i don't even know he did it's, it to, it's amazing. he did it to wood too like no no bullshit fucking this is just some kid 
is unreal. It's like do the uh, you've seen it before, Kieran Riley. Yeah, perfect. What? <laughs> Dude, is, is like, I, I haven't seen the full video yet, but I saw I saw a cell phone clip of him uh, eating shit on it. But it literally he rolled away like it was like fucking nothing. That's it's like. But he he I guess he been four four separate attempts or something like that, and he literally was destroying his bike. Like his bike would just like one go done. I mean, it must like, be a tough kid too because he's, he's like, a little fucking brick. Like, psycho say he's built like people are built for situations like that, right? Yeah. Like, it's, he, he looks like he's built to do a triple flare. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. And after all these years and all the like ridiculous scenarios that I've been witness to, it's like there's no end. It's there like they're yeah. always. I'm never like I'm never like oh that's it's done like everything's like been done. Yeah. There's been moments where I'm like. Oh, seen it all yeah and then that then that happens yeah when you Any saw time, did you say that when you saw kelly Branker uh drink jump, a beer drink a beer while riding trails i was like this is it that's the piedmont moment like, <laughs> but it almost no brought that up gonna... earlier and i was like where can i fucking bring this in <laughs> <laughs> well that's the cool that's another cool thing about bmx it's like you got one dude who's like doing a triple flare yeah. and another dude that's drinking a beer through a six-pack instead of trails what's what's ratter what's yeah. more difficult yeah. like what's what's made a bigger impression and there's there's no rules yeah. it's like and you can pick and choose anything that you think is important and that's like what it is that's what bmx is and that's like why i think it's one of the reasons it's been so important to me it's like oh, yeah. lifers fucking lifers. lifers yeah there's so many it's so cool to be up on the east coast and like like i went to the posh and caddy jams this year and there's dudes that I've known since I was a teenager still riding that have never been sponsored, never been in a magazine. Maybe yeah. they have, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like never been like huge names as far as like, you know, celebrity style BMX goes. Known my whole life. I'm just like, like dude, how long we, when do we meet? And I'm like, dude, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're just like, dudes, still just getting there. it. And, it's, yeah. and like all these little moments add up for like, you know, maybe some dudes don't ride but a couple times a year or couple times a month but like there's dudes that like they spent their whole life riding there was a there was a little video series i may have I, when i say series it may have only been one but that dude uh, was uh called lifer on the the guy santana that's in Austin. oh yeah i saw him and, on this trip and he's and he and he put i mean it's been six years since i've seen this video but uh, it just had such an impact on him because it was like the, he's had you know he's been in videos and stuff like that but he's not a pro in any sense and he was able to summarize like why he loves it so well that i was like this is a good fucking series he's like, an artist just pick a just pick a pick a dude and as long as they're a good orator and they can explain the way they they feel and can and and put it in perspective and like that would be an amazing video series but you need the right you need the right people it's, obviously there's yeah, there's be and like hosting so many different scenarios whether it be like video or event stuff there's a pretty big gap between some riders that are really interesting personalities and great riders and people that have a good ability to communicate what they're feeling yeah yeah like you know and even people that are, can hold a conversation you put a microphone in front of them they're like oh bike yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> or they just hit it or they just hit the microphone like 12 times <laughs> just, I don't want you guys to. I want to keep you on your toes. <laughs> Tear the fucking walls nah, down. Nothing fell down, so um, I forgot whatever the other topic was. I don't so remember. I have, yeah, you don't remember what I don't remember. 
So anything um, goes. But unless we have something else, the only thing that I really want to get across is that if you're watching this uh, and you want to buy some coffee, think about drop in, think about supporting Crandall, buy some paintings off the man. If you got an extra helmet or you got some bikes or something that he can use, feel free to throw some love. If you're uh, in, in the, the Richmond, Virginia area, yeah. go check out everything they're doing. It's yeah. like, uh, all inclusive, very important. You get to see kids. Anybody's welcome, I'm sure. It's, so, yeah. Well, support I, this man is what I'm trying to say. BMX has supported me the whole time. Yeah. So, well, I thank you, dudes, infinitely, and everyone out there in the world. Like, it's been my life's great. What do you call that thing? I don't know. It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me is BMX. I've had such a good experience as a BMXer that, like, I can't even express it in a way that makes sense. But like, I mean, maybe my deeds will help me show like my gratitudes, my gratitude towards BMX, you know, like. I, I and, think it shows your love for BMX. So, and, uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. like, I just, all I have to say is thanks to everybody. And like, I hope we get a session sometime. And like, hopefully I don't hang up too hard on the, you know, case that jump too bad. In front of <laughs> but oh, um, yeah. this has been, you know, this has been an awesome conversation and I appreciate you guys and. Like I said, endless thanks to everybody in BMX for supporting what I've been a part of over the years and like my friends and family that have, you know, without them that I wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff, you know, like, and the friends I've made along the way. This is rad. Let's, let's, let's keep it going. Oh yeah. yeah. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Cheers. Steve Crandall. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. Oh, <laughs> 15. Hell yeah.